Welcome in. It is episode number 93. AJ, who are we giving 93 to? He's, what, he's, he's gone now? You there? No, I said the Trent Murphy edition. Oh, we didn't hear oh, you. All right, yeah. fair oh. enough. The Trent, Trent Murphy, Murphy edition. edition. Okay. All right, very yeah. good. I mean, uh, he, he does have eight and a half sacks. That's not bad. Yeah. He has had a pretty good year. That is true. I am. Uh, it's jobbing out. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And he, of course, is the main event. AJ event. Francis event. of the Washington Redskins. And we got a lot to do today. I warn you in advance, I have been drinking all day. I'm uh, drinking right now. Nice, nice, wonderful. Right. Uh, we uh, got into a few things today, including the peach pecan whiskey, which is, whew, it just goes right down the gullet. Um, so whatever happens on this show, it, hell, it's the holiday edition. Who gives a fuck? So we'll just roll with that. Wow, you're just dropping f bombs right care. off the I top. I don't care. You're gonna whatever. We can get rid of it. Who gives? I um, have to get rid of it. We're on the internet. That's true. That's a good point. Coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, so this actually, we did this last week, and Aaron and I enjoyed it so much that like I didn't want to sit on it for an entire week. Um, AJ, you are a couple years younger than me, so I don't know how obsessed. Were you all in on the XFL when the XFL happened? Yeah, he hate me was the coolest thing that ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. We were all pretty obsessed with the XFL, and the next ESPN 30 for 30 movie is This Was the XFL. It'll be airing uh, the week of the Super Bowl on ESPN, and it was made by Charlie Ebersol, who is the son of Dick Ebersol, who created the XFL with Vince McMahon. Along so, with a couple other things he created. Right, yeah, yeah. NBC Sports is ba- basically Dick Ebersol is NBC Sports. So uh, Charlie is going to join us a little bit later on in the show to tell us all about this was the XFL, and he's the same age as I am, so he kind of grew up with it. Um, he's got some great stories. We're looking forward to that um, because we actually, as I said, already talked to Charlie Ebersol and, and nearly couldn't wait this long to share it with you. But uh, I'm stoked, and I can't fucking wait for this movie. Like, I cannot wait. For this movie to air, I'm I, really I kind of want to get him back on again, just to yeah, talk right. To no doubt, it's a great interview. So it's... if you need to skip ahead, but don't do that. No, don't do that. What are you talking about? Don't do that. All right, uh, a lot to do. Let's start. Um, so Aaron and I still need to pay off our last. Oh, we could have done that today. Son of a bitch! I totally forgot. I'm sorry, and I apologize. Cause we need to do that. We need to pay off our bet. You you got drunk and I got stumbled drunk. It's my fault. It is my stuff. fault. We still have to pay uh, that off. But we need we to go over. Yes. Yeah, we need to go over what happened on Sunday night when it was a roadblock, the end of the Clash of the Champions. Yes. Um, so we, uh, we actually, we were very different in this one. We went in and I was, and I, had I was out particularly going bold going into this week. And, um, so AJ, uh, you finished four and three. Uh huh. Glenn, you finished three and four. That's not great. And I finished four and three. Son of a bitch. So I have to buy sweaters for both of you? Something like that. That's how we agreed that, to that, this that was ago? the agreement. God damn it. All right. Fair enough. I'll buy you both sweaters. Dicks. I really felt good after. What was the match that I picked differently than everybody else? Uh, I well, got. Well, you picked Charlotte. That was the last one. Like it was over after three matches. Oh, <laughs> that was over. You couldn't come back from it. I didn't remember what I picked. God. Yeah, no, but you got Charlotte right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't pick the. I picked the New Day. Which yeah, you re- picked that the New really Day. Really was what screwed me up. Yeah, I picked the New Day. Exactly. Um, I still stand by. It would have been the better way to go, but such is life. I got yeah. it wrong. All right, let's talk about we'll, – we'll start with Raw here in this segment then, and we'll uh, get the fallout of uh, what happened on Sunday night and then again on Monday night. Um, you know, as far as surprises are concerned, like I didn't think the Charlotte thing was surprising, so 
I, it's hard for me to. That, I mean, I think that's what everybody else would say is the most surprising thing that occurred is that Charlotte won. But if this truly was the end of the rivalry, the heel should probably come out on top. The far more surprising thing for me is like the fact that all of a sudden in the last two weeks they've decided that she's Charlotte Flair. That that was on the, I think that was that might be the first graphic they've put up that said Charlotte Flair. I think they've referred to her as it, but as far as just the, the whole graphics, Charlotte right. Flair is odd, and I'm not sure why exactly they're doing that. So let me ask both of you: Are you good with the direction of Charlotte as champion, and then are you good with it being Bailey who would be next? Uh, I ain't got no problem with that. It, it makes sense. The I mean, the only thing is that it just it feels like Bailey is ripe for a WrestleMania moment. So I'm I'm a little concerned that they're not going to be able to get there with enough steam. Okay. That that would be my one concern. But as far as you know, Bailey being the one to eventually dethrone Charlotte, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, with Bailey, I'm almost there's always the are you pulling the trigger too quickly? Like with Bailey, you're she's supposed to be the ultimate underdog. She's not supposed to be the type that. So I never know how I feel about that, but of course I also like Bailey, and I'm not also I'm not opposed to them doing something different with her character on the main roster than what they did in NXT either. I don't think that's the end of the world if they have a different direction for for Bailey. I I I don't know. I can't believe that they're not going to somehow intertwine Sasha again at some point. Like I just can't. Well, no, this is not the end of Sasha versus Charlotte. Right, Charlotte. and so that makes like, me wonder, like, is this just a pause for Sasha Charlotte to do Sasha Charlotte again at WrestleMania? Like, is this the purpose of this? That There's been a lot of talk and a lot of comparison about uh, the Sasha Charlotte feud to what year was uh, Cena Orton, that it was the exact same thing. Where they met at SummerSlam. Every year. <laughs> well, no, but there was one particular year it was literally, it was... Met at SummerSlam, met at Hell in a Cell, and I think it was 09. then it fin- had an Iron Man match after that. It was yeah, the well, exact same yeah, pattern. That, that was 09. The Iron Man match was the no DQ one where Randy Orton literally tried to blow up Cena on, with a pyro. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that now. So uh, would you be okay with them reintroducing Sasha come WrestleMania? Do they need to put a ta- you know a, an end to this? Where do you go from here? I, like I said, I, I, it feels right for Bailey at Mania. Um, kind of, not I, w- I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against, you know, you have those two, you can bring back Sasha into it to have a triple threat or even something bigger if you want to include Nia or something like that. Uh, I have no problem with that. I just feel that um, you don't have to go that way if you don't want. I think that you can. I wouldn't put Sasha and Charlotte in a singles match together for a while. And that, that would be the one risk in br- introducing Sasha back into it is that you're put in a position where you almost need to put them back in a singles match just to continue the feud. Um, but if you wanted to at Mania just say, like, look, this has been the Sasha, yeah. Charlotte, Bailey. They've all been dancing around each other for nine months now. You well, might but, as well but put Sasha them. and Bailey haven't really been dancing around. Well, but, I mean, she... Bailey came up to be the partner of right, Sasha, and, and they're, you know, in September, they were going back and forth between who was the number one contender there. Like, they have been dancing around that issue as to, you know, Sasha and Bailey kind of on that same level, that if you wanted to make it a triple threat or something like that at Mania, there would be no issues with that at all. AJ, but, AJ, book all of the women between now and WrestleMania. I think that you have a triple threat between, at the main, uh, for the Raw Women's title, I think it would make too much sense to have uh, 
Charlotte and Bailey have a feud leading up and then Sasha come back after getting decimated by Nia, I'm assuming, in the upcoming months. And actually, the more I think about it, that could be a way to make it a, a fatal four-way. Okay, and are you good? Because I was have, right. I think you have Nia face Sasha, and you have Nia obliterate Sasha to the point that she misses af- from after the Rumble until WrestleMania, and you have Nia causing a path of destruction while Bailey's fighting Charlotte for the title. And then you find a way to make it a triple threat, and then Sasha comes back. You made it, make it a fatal four-way. It's not. Ridiculous. There, there is one it, interesting. I guess the only question is that is there too much going on there? That that may. I, I think not so much too much going on, but as much does it diminish any sort of. I guess it depends yeah. where you want to go. Like is, is there supposed to be one WrestleMania moment, moment. that ends up you, right. you... like like if if for example if Bailey is supposed to win the title at Mania, I think that would be a mistake to to put four people in there and have Bailey be the one on top. I think that needs a singles moment if you're going to do that, or maybe a triple threat. I wouldn't go with the Fatal Four Way if. Charlotte's supposed to continue her reign? Sure. Then the Fatal 4-Way works. The one interesting rumor that's popped... Why, why, would, why wouldn't you like for Bailey to just win a Fatal 4-Way? Because I feel like you need that personal... Especially if you were going to have her basically feud with Charlotte from here until then. You want that one, one-on-one moment where Bailey finally gets over on on Charlotte for the title and you know has that one-on-one moment. It was the one reason I felt that um, I would have almost preferred back with Daniel Bryan to go over Triple H to win the title because then it wraps the two things up. Having the the two people involved, I thought, diminished it slightly, very, very slightly. And, I, and if it's just my way, I'd rather book, see it as that as singles. Match. I think I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think I understand what you're yeah. trying to say, but I don't know that you've nailed it. I think there is something to be said for there being a rivalry and you came out on top yeah. at WrestleMania. I think there's yes. something to be said for those moments stand out a little exactly. bit more um than some other moments do and i think that the more that there's involvement with it the more involvement from other people they are it, it just doesn't feel quite as big now that being said you know if if you think it, no it, it felt really big when charlotte won that match last year yeah but i think it those felt really you're big right when daniel bryan won the triple threat well i won the title but those were you know how i know right I yeah no yeah. He was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice nice job chris berman um <laughs> I think two things. One, I do think that for some reason, and I don't know why it's the magic number, but I feel like three is kind of the magic number, that there's still something to be said. And I, I don't ask me why it is, and don't ask me to provide scientific explanation of it, because I got in dick. But I, the two that you referred to, both triple threat matches, whereas I can't tell you the time where there was more than that involved. I think the most famous four-way match in WrestleMania history would be the McMahon two, in every corner. 2000, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you remember way more about the McMahon in every corner thing than you remember anything about the match, anything about, that, you know, I mean, the match was... It was meh, right? I mean, well, what you remember about that match is the first time that a heel retained the title. At, okay, yeah, that, sure. That was, that's do, the one thing that match that. Uh, yeah. is known for. Um, um, the other, let me say one other thing about the women's division. Uh, Dana Brooke is competing in the Arnold Classic. I have told you before, I believe that they are in on Dana Brooke. I think they see something there. I don't think she's as a non... Oh, look, I see something there too. I don't, I don't think she's a non-factor in this. I think that they, and now this is the tricky part, right? The tricky part, and as we said, this is always something that's going to be very difficult when it came to the women's divisions because you only have one championship. So you've got to figure out a way to make these things matter. Here's, here's what I, here's the idea I had, ready? Now, it, it, it is kind of tricky because you have the Andre the Giant Battle Royal already. But what's to stop them from putting on a woman's battle royal or a woman's gauntlet match 
and the winner of the match gets a title shot on her show that week. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not opposed Here's, to that. Actually, the, the interesting thing that way you could have, you could have a single. You could have what I honestly think might happen is I think that Charlotte, either one of two things is going to happen. I think either Charlotte's going to hold the belt to a mania, and I think it's going to be Sasha, Charlotte, and Bailey in the match in a triple threat match. I think that's what it's going to lead to. Or I think Bailey's going to take the belt from Charlotte before Mania, and then you're going to have Sasha come back, and you're going to have Sasha, Charlotte, at Mania singles match. Sasha has, I mean, not Sasha, Charlotte, sorry, Char- Sasha Bailey, and um, you have Sasha come out as a heel, and then that way you could have Dana Brooke versus uh, Charlotte on the on WrestleMania as well if you wanted to, but that would also allow you to have the Battle Royal or Gauntlet match. With the the women, still, and get all the women on the card. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of about Royal, it's interesting. There have been rumors popping up lately that the Royal Rumble is going to feature a women's Royal Rumble in addition to the men's Royal Rumble. Okay. I don't think just because of the way that things are playing out, I don't think that that would affect the Raw side because you would just kind of how it's playing out. You kind of have the Raw people intact, and if you assume that Bailey's going to face Charlotte at the Rumble, maybe you don't have Bailey win there. But um, it, it's interesting to hear that that's you at do least know that, a possibility. You do know Nikki Bella's going to win that match, right? That Probably. Make, that would make I a mean, whole yes, lot of sense. That would make, now, the real question is how many can they get in there, and are they including NXT women? Are they including... You know, some of the recent call-ups that they've had, you know, I mean, I mean the recent signees that they've had Mickey. in order to um, make the number bigger. I don't know. Yep. I, I don't know what they're doing there, but that's interesting. That's interesting, and I'm not opposed to it. I think it's a great idea. Um, some other things that came out of, of this, out of the pay-per-view and out of Raw, we have uh, a brand new entrant into the title picture as Braun Strowman made himself very well known on Monday night. And, and I told you this was coming. Yeah, you did. I mean, you definitely said this. It's it's a quick acceleration, obviously. I mean, they are, they're going right for it. Um, the question really becomes, is he there for a little while? You know, leading up. Is he, I was gonna say, is he there to kind of have Roman Reigns do something for the next four weeks before you? Because you have six weeks before the Rumble, correct? So you have him kind of deal with that. Then you go back to Owens just to mix things up a little bit. Look, I, I, I would be. I think it would be a good look if they give Braun Strowman the U.S. title. Oh, I, I absolutely. Think, I one hundred. I think that would be great, and he would. He could hold that U.S. It, he would make the U.S. title matter, like Rusev did, where. You have a giant heel that's hard to beat for a title. It matters. It it's not that it doesn't matter on Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is in the main event, so it clearly matters that he's the U.S. champion. But he's not defending the U.S. championship. He's not out there making the U.S. title part of uh, the program every week. It's the fact that he's Roman Reigns and he has happens to be the U.S. champion. And I think if you put the U.S. title on Braun Strowman, I think that you could make the U.S. title. Very hot again, and the person who takes that off Braun would get so much. Oh yeah. How, yeah. How, how about this? You you give him the U.S. title pretty soon here, like in the next few weeks. You have him run a path of destruction. Sami Zayn comes back around WrestleMania and ends up pinning him to have a huge WrestleMania moment to take the that U.S. title. That would be title. crazy. Yeah, I'm. I I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I what's not to love about that? That would be tremendous. I still think they fucked up the Sami Zayn Braun Strowman thing. I just don't know how that really benefited anybody. I don't think that was a good look for anyone. I, I just don't. I don't. You know what I really think? I don't think they fully thought that through. I think they had an idea that they just sort of went with, and they didn't vet it properly and 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 figure out. I just 
I didn't come out of that thinking, boy, look how good Sammy looked. He right. lasted 10 minutes with Braun Strowman. Because he let him, right. Right. I didn't come out of that thinking, like, I just don't know that that benefited anyone at all. I think that was a mistake. I think you could have done everything that you wanted I to do. your mistake. Well, well but you, except that you agreed with me, and you thought that they should have had. <laughs> so, so, so now don't you feel like a dick? <laughs> but they quickly pressed the reset button on it. Yeah, I mean, I, right, I, I hear you. They, I just, they got out of it. That, that's the thing. You, right. know, you, you can make mistakes as long as you're able to quickly get out of it, and it seems like they've quickly got. I just, out of it. I felt like uncomfortable at the end of that thing. I'm like, what? What do you just think that you did? Like, what? What exactly was the thought process here that you think that you were accomplishing by having Sami Zayn? Technically, last ten minutes with Braun Strowman because you know what they were doing. They were appeasing people like Aaron, who say that Sammy oh would have been bitching on the internet that Sami Zayn isn't a jobber if he didn't come out with his music playing after the match was over. I mean, that's Braun Strowman. I, 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 bro, you're t- you're I know, I know. I'm preaching to the choir. I would have had no problem with Braun. I, I hate I hate the build to it, but I would have had no problem with Braun winning that match. Well, he should. Oh, especially because if you're and if you're going to have Sammy, you know, come out right. on top, make him go. Fi- you know, maybe not fifty fifty, but look a, like it wasn't a complete fluke. Yeah, know? I mean, like, this this <laughs> you're you're saying that technically he won a match that God knows he didn't win. Right. It, the whole thing was just. Bizarre. I mean, yeah. it was bizarrely booked. I don't know what they were thinking there, but I liked your thought process of getting to Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. I think that would be really wonderful. In the meantime, we're left with a convoluted picture otherwise, and it's, it's sort of hard to figure out where they're headed. I, I don't, I think that the Jericho, it, unless you're so hellbent on it being Owens and Jericho at WrestleMania, if that's, if that's what you're trying to accomplish, if your point is we need to get to Owens and Jericho at WrestleMania, like that has to happen, I'll hear you on that. What I'm worried that they think needs to happen, though, is that they have to get the belt off of Owens and have Roman Reigns involved in the championship, and and then they can do Owens-Jericho after that. That's what I'm worried about, whereas Owens-Jericho should be a championship match, and it should be leading, I think, as we've all spoke, the moment should be Chris Jericho beating Kevin Owens for the championship. If it's at WrestleMania, that's so much even better Chris Jericho deserves it. He's done the best work of his career. It would it would be an incredible face moment for him to get over Kevin Owens at this point. I'm I'm fine with it being Owens Jericho at WrestleMania. I really am. I, I think they've done enough to drag it out so that you can get to that point. I just think that it would make way more sense for it to be Owens Jericho for the title at WrestleMania to allow Chris Jericho to have the opportunity to walk out of WrestleMania as the champion. Isn't it going to be so funny that the same people who are bitching that Chris Jericho beat AJ Styles at WrestleMania are going to be bitching if Chris Jericho doesn't beat Kevin Owens. Yes, at WrestleMania. yes, it's yeah. going to be really funny. And and if if I wanted to defend him, we can say, look, it, it's Chris, been a, the past nine the, months have correct, been correct. completely the, different from the previous nine the, months. The year leading up to this has been fucking magic for Chris Jericho, whereas the year leading up to that was like, oh, Chris Jericho, right? Um, so, like, if I had to defend it, that would be how I defend it. But I hear what you're saying. There's no doubt. You know, I, I think the one question, when it comes to the title picture, when it comes to, we just have no idea where they're going with the raw picture right now. I have no idea. And like, and, and one the of the fact thing- that they're having this match with Roman and Kevin Owens is, I did not even see this as an option. No, I didn't see this as an option either. But I think that's because we all saw. We all thought Chris Jericho was winning on Sunday night. Like that to me was the most logical. Right. That, that's what you needed to do. You needed to have Chris Jericho win that match 
to make sense of Jericho Owens, which is the logical conclusion. Or, or even a fatal four-way. Like, the, the fact that Rollins... And I, I assume but Rollins honestly, is going to get... neither in- of those guys... Like, and with Reigns and Rollins, I get it. They're at the top of the card, so they're at the top of the card. Right. That's the way that it is. But, but but if the idea is that, you know, Reigns got screwed over, so he does, you know, like Mick coming out, then Rollins got screwed over, too. And if Jericho's not in the picture anymore, then Rollins should have nothing to distract him from the title. Arguably, except for the fact that Seth Rollins is obsessed with Triple H, because we all know that Seth Rollins is facing but Triple H at WrestleMania. Triple H hasn't been there. I know, but he's remember, he's obsessed with Triple H. That's the way that it goes. Aaron, if you're trying to argue with the logic of Seth Rollins and Triple H at WrestleMania, I don't know what you're standing on. No, I'm just saying right now, this moment. I hear you, but we all know, we have known for some time that Seth Rollins will be facing Triple H H at WrestleMania. So I can live with it. But I I guess here's where I'm going. Okay, so you you take that, you take Triple H out of there. As far as for, for a, you know, the universal title, the raw title, you know, we all love Owens Jericho. Like, we, we'd all think that would be a fantastic match. Not necessarily like a real sexy feel to it. You know, if, if Balor came back, Owens Balor, you know, doesn't necessarily. Maybe not a sexy feel to it. Owens I mean, Jericho is the thing that has to happen. As far, as far as, okay, let, let's put it this way. If we're saying, you know, Goldberg Lesnar is on the card. If we're saying that maybe like Cena Taker is the SmackDown title, then you're putting the universal title as far as the, the, Mainstream bill, the mainstream billing, as low. It's going to be something uh, that the the fans love, but for a, and again, this is just because that, they're but they're. That, but to me, you're 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 missing the point. I think that's the reason for the brand split is you were able to appease what the fans would love and what. Uh, Owens Jericho so, is the most important match of the last. It's the culmination of the most important storyline that you've done. And, and no one besides the the core audience would view it as bigger than Cena Taker. Okay, but they do that every year. Well, but 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 usually it's the raw. You're not but, wrong. But but that's You're not wrong. Exactly. I'm not but, saying I'm wrong. I'm just saying for me personally, thinking about it and like when I'm trying to look ahead at Mania, I always think. The Raw title, that's the one that they want to make but feel big. But they just on the brand switch. That's not, though. Do you know why it's not? Because the, the guy they pay the most money to is on SmackDown. Well, that's true, and, too. And that's, and that's part of it. And that's... Well, again, that's and I'm just... If the guy that gets the most money from them, he wears blue. So that means the blue show is the show that really matters. Well, except Brock Lesnar's on Raw too, so I mean, and that's. But he still doesn't. I hear, I, mean, I hear what you're saying, but I. John Cena is the WWE, and anyone until he retires, he is. Right, right. I, 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 I get your argument. Trust me, I get your argument. I, I would, I would say this though. You're comparing it to a totally previous era of a brand split. This brand split, we have no evidence to work that off of. And again, I, you could say if you've seen a taker, first of all, that's incredibly stupid. That match does not need to have a championship involved in any way. And it, and I, I get that you're doing it because you got to get John Cena this fucking record because he's not going to be around very much. Like I, I understand the reasons for doing it, but it's stupid. You don't need a championship in that match to make that match matter. And you would be better off having another championship match on your card to make your card seem bigger. Like that to me, you would be AJ Styles versus. And a triple threat match, AJ Styles versus The Miz versus Shin, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, that would, I mean, that would be yeah. a tremendous yeah. championship no, match no, that, no one's gonna complain that about everybody that would be thrilled with. And Actually, not Shinsuke Nakamura. You know who I actually think it could be, though? Samoa because Joe. I think Shinsuke, Shinsuke will just have come up right. around the world. So I, no, Ty Dillinger. Jesus Christ, that is a real. <laughs> that is accelerating. By the way, do you hear what they said? Why, why is it? Do you realize the number two babyface on SmackDown right now is Apollo Cruz? 
I mean, no, I, they need... But I, I, that, I, would, that would involve them really getting behind Ty, Ty Dillinger, Gil- which they it's, haven't even done in NXT, let alone the main roster. I love it. I love it. But... Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's got a problem with it. It's just a quick, it's just a quick acceleration towards the championship picture. That's all we're saying. But my, my point I being, think if Ty Dillinger, I think when he comes up, I think he's going to come up at the Rumble, like Aaron said, come up at number ten. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, as he and should. I, yeah, absolutely. And I think that if he goes to SmackDown, he will immediately be the number one face on SmackDown. Uh, if they let him, that that's the thing. I think he. What do you mean if they let him? They didn't let Daniel Bryan. The crowd made Daniel Bryan the number one. And pick. how long did it take I mean, Daniel? And how long did it take Daniel Bryan to be cheered for them to give him a title match? You're absolutely right, but they, Daniel Bryan also didn't have cheers before he got there. Okay, and and you're also injecting ten at every single opportunity they could. Right before he. Before Daniel Bryan got there. You're also injecting him into a SmackDown that in your world would have both The Undertaker and John Cena back. Um, yeah, I'm saying if they, if they weren't fighting for the title. If okay. Undertaker and John Cena are not fighting for the title, then that's when you would have okay. AJ yeah. stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I love it. I'm, I'm for it, man. I'm, I, 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 just, ain't I, I just don't see them pushing him that hard as much as I'd love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm for it. Um, I, let me, let me go, let me take a step backwards here for a second. I, I'm gonna disagree with you. I don't think, I think you're worried too much about who the, the name is that the, like, there was a match that involved Snooki once at WrestleMania, and as a name, the rest of the world cared a great deal about it. To me, the Jericho Owens match is as much a main event as anything else is on that card, with the exception probably of Brock Goldberg. Brock Goldberg, because you did it already, because you, you put that in a position where, you know, like, that kind of almost has to be your main event because you've been pushing it for a little while. But Jericho Owens is, is, is the culmination of everything that's been happening in wrestling this year. Um, and look, I, again, I keep coming back to, I need the clarity of this. My fear is that they think that match, that match stands on its own at WrestleMania. It doesn't need, it's more about Jericho and Owens than it is about the championship. My fear is that they're going to have him drop the belt, have Roman have a match at WrestleMania. I don't even know who that would be against. That involves, that would be for the championship. Who would that be? God, Lord, who would that be? And that, that's kind Braun? Of, I guess that would be Braun, right? Yeah, you could fight Braun for could the US title. Finn, if Finn's coming back, yeah, you go I mean, with... You, 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 you go, kind of have two faces it, there. Dude, if they really wanted to get ugly with it, they could go... And they wanted, like, that big name. You could do something like Reigns, Rollins, Triple H... Yeah, it's stupid. I don't know why I, they would. That would I, I'm just saying, if if they're looking to try to, yeah, you know. no, I mean, I, again, the the championship match should be Jericho. It, it a thousand percent should be Jericho Owens at WrestleMania. It's the it's everything you've done, all the work that you've put in to the last, for everything you've done since the brand split. Like since the brand split, this is the one that you have that's been the hottest that you've stuck with. Yeah. All of that, besides, at least on Raw, as far as SmackDown, you know, the Miss Daniel Bryan thing has kind of carried that. But yes, there's been two feuds there. But on, then the Daniel Bryan's not wrestling, right? Well, so, I'm saying, but that that feud has kind of been the you know revolving well, you, around SmackDown. It can't go anywhere. Well, exactly. This no, can go somewhere. Right. And you, then then yes, this yes. is the one. This is it. This is the the argument would be anything that matters within wrestling. This is the match. This is everything. And to me, that makes it equally a main event, if not more significant a main event, and far more if it's the possibility of a face Chris Jericho wrestling for the championship at WrestleMania where everybody on the planet would be all in 
on the idea of Chris Jericho getting this WrestleMania moment at, at the late stage of his career and winning a championship and it being legitimate, not being some bullshit thing that they just did, you know, with some legend that they brought back and said, oh, we're going to let you have a championship for a little while because, you know, we want you to. There would be a feeling of legitimacy to it. This would be a huge professional wrestling moment potentially at WrestleMania. It would be a great feel-good moment, if nothing else. Real good feel-good I think good it would be the type of moment I, – I think this is – this is what they need. This is what they want. And I, I mean, the only thing that can screw it up is if somehow they they have Roman Reigns win the title at the Royal Rumble. And I just, I this, this match only makes sense if you felt like you needed one more placeholder to get you to Jericho Owens. Yeah. If if it's not that, if if it's anything other than that, this match makes zero sense. None. I mean, to to go to by what you're going in a good sign. I don't think a heel has ever lost when their manager, partner, whatever has been, has in, been the over the, in the cage. Never again. has happened it's... in the history of wrestling. That's true. So. That's true. That's fair. I don't. I don't know what to say about that. But there's Roman Reigns in the match. <laughs> well, but except that he's. They've had him lose some matches. Uh, oh, he has. Yeah, I know. Right <laughs> oh, now, we're here. <laughs> here we go. Again. Here's oh, the he other trope it. we have to. Oh, he loses, and people, and people still boo him because he said he was <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, what else from from the pay per view and from Raw? Oh, the, the the tag titles, obviously, the New Day. You know, as you guys expected, and as I understand the the thought process, you have them break the record, then you have them lose the titles. I I disagree with it. I don't I don't mind the. Well, you can disagree with it all you want, but I wear a three X. And I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll get you your fucking. I thought we were getting one for your wife because you already had one. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She wears she wears a medium in women. <laughs> okay. Well, what if they don't have women's? Then just get her a, a, a small. small yeah, yeah, get her a small. Um, <laughs> I actually don't even know where to send you anything right now. We we're gonna send you a Christmas card, and I realized I didn't know where to send it to you. <laughs> like, I don't know where he lives right now. I live in Ashburn. You just have an apartment down by the complex. Correct. Okay, all right. I should have asked down you. Down by the river. Yeah, down by the river. Um, so, I, I, I don't, I, I really like the, by the, the sh- way, this is also another pay-per-view stipulation that I did not lose, by the way, just point that out. Another pay-per-view stipulation. The, the bet, the bet, he's bragging about oh, he's still, yes. yes. I just, don't lose when the money's on the just line. Over fi- just over, just over 500, just over 500, but he did win. Yes. Um, I am not... I, look, I like the Seamus uh, Cesaro stuff. I, I'm in all in on that. I love the finish. By the way, we got to talk about the finish then, because that was legitimately oh, sure. uh-huh. one of the best finishes I've seen in a long. It's very rare to get a purely creative, unique finish it's, in wrestling because everything it was been a done. tag team wrestling finish. I mean, it was a really smart. But we, we've never. I don't think we've ever seen that finish before. That that specific I I, one. I mean, I can't think of a time right. that we have. And... So that just for that, just. Five stars for that. No, it was great. I mean, it really was great. I agree. The the, the, the sort of fake tag, if you will, or the dummy tag yep. um, was really good. I, I, I have two, as I've said all along, here are my concerns. So now the New Day doesn't have the burden of having to get the record, right? They got the record. Where are you going? Because AJ's always argued to me that they're going to be elevated right into the title picture. Win the Rumble. And and maybe they still could be right. Like maybe that this could still go to that. But you got a really quick turnaround to WrestleMania to try to get something Biggie done. Biggie is my early pick for the Rumble. If dude, if Biggie wins the Rumble, then yes. I, I mean, first of all, I guess he faces Reigns at that point. Now I guess I got to think this whole thing through. In my scenario, you would almost have to have this. You would have to have the SmackDown winner win the Rumble, or I guess you could have Jericho get out of the cage, be pissed off. And then enter himself into right. the Rumble and win, right. in my scenario. In fact, 
fuck you guys, that's the right scenario. And and, and then you have the Kevin Owens like, oh, you should go after SmackDown so we can rule both, you know, kind right, of do that right. whole Batista like Triple H thing. Yes, that's, the, that's, that's what you should do. Yes. So I still hope that you're right, but I am, as I've said all along, I am really concerned that here we went. We had, we, they had to get the record, right? Like they had to do that. Now they've done it, and they have no idea what's next for the New Day. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think that this is leading for the club to win the titles at WrestleMania. And I think that the club is going to win it in some kind of triple threat fatal four-way. Because, you know, they like to get all the tag teams involved mm-hmm. that they can. And I think what's going to happen is that New Day is going to be doing the same stuff they've been doing for last year and a half. Great comedy bits, blah, 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 that got them over as the biggest baby faces in the business. And then I think losing at WrestleMania again is going to be the catalyst for them to turn heel again. So you, and, I, okay. and I think that they would get a good run as a heel, and then whoever takes the belt off the Bullet Club would end up dropping it to the new heel, New Day, by probably SummerSlam. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's something, which is, is fine, but as I've said all along, that smells like these guys that were red fucking hot are, are still kind of doing the same thing and not involved in the title picture. Not involved well, in the... well, they're not in the title picture because Kevin Owens is so great and Chris Jericho is so right. great. Right, I hear you. I mean, if it was just Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins in the title picture, they probably would be. But there's, would you have Kevin Owens working his very well? You have Chris Jericho better than he's ever been. You have Finn Balor coming back. I mean, there's just a lot. There's just a logjam at the top. Yes, there is, but... I I thought that they could be put into that logjam for some time somehow, and they very well could. And I I still think that they should be involved with that somehow, some way, and they just haven't been, and that's just been disappointing to me. That's all, and it's going to be until yeah, I'm. The proven- reason they're not now is because of people like you guys that say they held the belts for too long. They should have dropped them a while ago. Blah 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 blah. Give other people a chance. No no no, not give other people a chance. Get them into some other more important part on the card. Drop the titles to move up to... That was always my New Day thing, is get them... They've done what they needed to do. They're red hot. Get them involved with a better part of the card. That was always my argument with the New Day. What do you guys feel about the new belts? They're fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good with them. I like the old belts more. I, I don't... Maybe I'm just... I always like those comments. Jesus, you're one of these nerds on the internet. God, Jesus. Screaming through the match the entire time. Bitching about everything. I bet you boo Roman Reigns. Jesus Christ. What a nerd you are. Not at all. (laughs) I just think that the old belts were unique and there was never, there was never another belt like that. And I think that they, I I get why they're doing the whole. There are many belts, but this is my belt. But I wish that they, I wish they wouldn't have did that. I I dig the old. what I'm afraid of now is that they're going to make the WWE title blue. Right, right. No, I, I get it, but they probably will. So, <laughs> I was going to say, that's going to happen. I, honestly, I'm kind of over it, and it doesn't bother me all that much. Like, I've never I, – I hear your argument, and I'm not in any way suggesting that it, it wasn't a good-looking belt. It was a very good-looking belt, but I just don't get worked up about the belts. I, I really I, – I, when everybody was railing about the champion, the Raw Championship belt, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's red, and that's – Kind of stupid, but I, I kind of like it. I don't. I don't know. I just don't. I don't get worked up about these things the way that a lot of people do. I'm. I'm not that guy. Um, anything else from Raw the paper? Oh, Neville. Neville. Oh Neville. yeah, we got. It. It's good. I mean, it's 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 progress. 
it's it's something that people are interested in in the cruiserweight right? division. I'm, which I'm you know, 205 we, Live this week. I don't know if you guys. I have not had a chance yet. Seen it, but 205 Live this week was the best episode they've done. Period. Also on top of that, Neville, the, the little gimmick of the king of the cruiserweights, is going to be a red hot gimmick. I can already tell it. Okay. I, yeah. I just now. I mean, Neville's great. But the thing about sure. Neville that's so great in the in the cruiserweight division is that. He was always the high-flying, speedy, undersized guy, and he still does all the same speedy, undersized, quick stuff that he does. But now he's also a powerhouse in that division. And I think Neville's going to take the belt from Rich Swan, and I don't think anybody's going to take the belt from Neville for a long time after that. And I think it will be Gentleman Jack Gallagher when it finally does happen. But I don't think it'll be for a while. Okay. I, I, I'm going to maintain the same thing. Just don't get complacent and think that you've solved all your problems by saying we've got Neville now. Right. Like, you still I, – I love Neville. You I gotta think remember, it's, you got to remember also, Austin Aries is coming around the corner too. Yes. Yes, that's true. I still think you need to, you need to have these guys involved with the rest of the card. Have them involved with the rest of the card. Have them involved. You have all these matches. There are plenty of places to get them involved. Remind. You know, this is random, but have you guys have you guys um, ever read the Raw or SmackDown recaps on Forbes.com? Because you know Forbes has a wrestling writer. I, I didn't know that. That's I one. didn't know that, but I, I tend to avoid it. But okay. go ahead. Well, whoever he I don't is, know. I only read things written by he, Aaron Oster. That's right. The Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. Aaron, the fact that you should take this man's job. First of all. Oh, this man, the reason I'm bringing this up is because he said that the Cruiserweight should never be involved with the with the other parts you, of the card. You, you, people are so stupid. You're so, <laughs> so – I don't know what this guy's name is, but he's the most stupid human no, being on the face of the, the planet. He also – but the thing – the reason I wanted to bring this up because I'm glad that I, you talked about uh, the fact that they need to be involved with the rest of the card. It made me think about him. Not only did he say that the Cruiserweight should never be involved with the rest of the card because they should be their own thing. No. But he also says that Bailey is – terrible in the ring and that she's nowhere near the class of charlotte and i don't understand he didn't understand why she gets the push that she does well all right no i'm not, I'm not I, I was gonna try to go devil's advocate there well, and then the just, devil's advocate charlotte's the most dominant I was, and, and athlete, that's, that's how i was going I mean? to like, say the, it's like saying bailey's not as good as charlotte is not an insult to bailey i mean and charlotte no, 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 not, not that she's not a freak athlete, not that she. Right, you're saying that in the ring, she's not, a, and that's and that's idiotic, and that's obviously that's just in, incredibly stupid. No, it, it, do you understand how stupid that sounds? To say you should only have the cruiserweights involved, the cruiserweights. Why don't you say that only everybody that's in a tag team is never allowed to interact with anyone that isn't in a tag team? Like it's Enzo and Cass aren't allowed to have matches. Yeah, Big Cass isn't allowed to face Rusev anymore because he's yeah. in a tag team and Rusev isn't. Like you're so stupid. It's Dumb. It's idiotic. It's the way that wrestling. Can we tag Team Lana or not? <laughs> <laughs> and that ends Let's grab a break. There. <laughs> Let's grab a break. All right, when we come back in. We will. Uh, we'll go over uh, SmackDown. And um, Aaron made me watch uh, uh, the. What was the final? The final. I thought we were doing that segment three. We're doing segment three, but I'm just teasing. Total nonstop deletion. Total nonstop deletion. Aaron, let me watch that, so we'll still get to that a little bit later on in the show. I'm Glenn, he's Aaron, and he's...
The main event. AJ Francis, this is jotting out. How well do you pick weekly NFL games? Pick Factor is the free new app that lets you pick each week's games and see how you do against your friends or against the whole country. Join other leagues or create your own custom league all for free. Pick Factor is easy to download from the Google Play Store or the App Store. When you open the Pick Factor app for the first time, a full tutorial shows you what to do. Play against the press box staff. When you download Pick Factor, click Join a League and enter league name PBS for Pressbox Sports. Once you enter PBS, you'll be able to see how your weekly picks do against the Pressbox staff. This week, anyone who beats the Pressbox staff will automatically be qualified to win a $25 Royal Farms gift card. One winner will be chosen from everyone who beats our entire staff. You need to be 18 or older to enter and live in Maryland. No purchase is necessary. We will notify the winner through email in the Pick Factor app. If nobody beats our entire staff, the person in our league with the highest Score will win the $25 gift card. To get the most points, fill out your picks by Thursday. It's you against the press box pros. Download the Pick Factor app in the Google Play Store or the App Store. Stay up to date with all the latest Ravens game day info with Pressbox's Project Game Day. Use your phone, tablet, or computer to get a live stream of the latest social media, video links, and pictures keeping you in touch with every aspect of this week's game. In front of the TV or on the go, use any smartphone or computer to get into the action now at PressBoxOnline.com slash GameDay. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash GameDay. PressBox's Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and Geico. An old, and I do mean old, familiar voice is back. Stand the fan. With the bat around every Saturday, along with Adam Gladstone, we'll look to entertain, inform, and educate our listeners right here on PressBoxOnline.com. Click on the Listen Live button to hear the bat around every Saturday, 10 to 12. Stan the Fan and Adam Gladstone, Real Baseball Talk is back. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash StanTheFan to hear the bat around every Saturday from 10 to 12. F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S. Back in here, segment number two. It is Jabbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster of the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And, of course, the main event. AJ Francis, I burped as you were doing that, and I thought that was kind of a pro- I wish it would have been more pr- pronounced burp to, to introduce you, but AJ Francis, the Washington Redskins. All right, so let's get into SmackDown from this week. I mean, this is, I, I, I normally get nervous about the downtime between pay-per-views. Like, it's funny because we say that. I've also been, been joking about how quickly these pay-per-views have been, been coming the last uh, couple of months, but. You're just never happy. Yeah, you're a, I know. you're a wrestling fan that's never satisfied. Well, I mean, so I'm a wrestling fan is what you're saying. Correct. <laughs> yeah, correct. Uh, but the truth is, I actually think they've done a really good job, uh, frankly, so far for both shows to create, um, sort of some things that matter between now and then. And I know I could end up saying in three weeks that I'm nervous about that, but SmackDown has been in such a good rhythm. SmackDown has been so fucking good for five months now at this point. I mean, it's since the brand split, SmackDown has been so good. I love that. Dude, the episode this week was so edgy. I love it. Do you want to start with that? Do you want to start with the thing? You want to start? Okay. Yeah, let's. I mean, the the big. First, Baron Corbin comes out and tells Dolph Ziggler, 
you waste all the opportunities that you're given, which is kind of true. But it's not his fault that it's true. It's kind of he can't book his own matches. Right. In storyline, it's true. Yes, correct. In storyline, that makes all the sense in the world. Dolph Ziggler is someone who has gotten opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and who has regularly lost his biggest matches. That's all factual. doesn't change the fact that Dolph Ziggler is amazing, um, but, it's, but it's, it's true. It's fact. That's the, Nobody's arguing with that. Baron Corbin, it looks like a brick shithouse. He looks like a monster. He looks like a guy that should be running through uh, every opponent that he faces, so it's logical for him to think that he deserves to be near the top of the card. The fact that they have not figured out how to use Baron Corbin for the first few months is also not his fault, and I would like in this storyline for Dolph Ziggler to then you know turn around and say, dude, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, what have you done since you arrived here? And Beat Dolph Ziggler. Or, well, so you, I mean, he's also, I don't know if you know this, he's the Andre the Giant <laughs> Memorial, Battle. Memorial Battle Royal Champion, which, as you know, is a very distinguished prestigious honor within the WWE. It means a great deal. It means that you just disappear for, like, four months and get repackaged after that. Only three people have ever done it. That's true. Only and they've all gone people. through that process. Yeah, they've all gone through basically the same deal. So, um, I, I like that. I like that. The, the, big, the big thing that comes out of SmackDown is this moment... Um, after the Miz wins, where he's being interviewed by uh, the lovely Renee Young, and she asks him about his obsession with one Dean Ambrose. Well, as as I think everybody knows, because it's one thing to say well, they haven't addressed this in storyline, but Total Divas exists, and so they. I don't know how they're handling that as far as whether they consider that to be storyline or not. Like, I don't is, is that on Total Divas? I oh, yeah, it's very much oh, yes, known. It is. Yeah, okay. it's very much known. Dude, we should start doing Total Divas reviews <laughs> because I still end up watching Total Divas, man. I don't know what it is, but I get a nice little insight to some of the things about being a wrestling fan. And that is true. I do learn some things. I really, I like, I don't, I, you can make fun of it all you want, and it is a horrendous television show. It's awful TV, and, and but, Tots makes, she makes me watch it sometimes, and yeah. they're, they're really annoying, but I do learn some you things learn, about their life. You really do I learn. Did, I wouldn't know. Whether or not what they're doing is real. I was going to say, you, th- you learn what they but want you to. <laughs> but there are some things that are intertwined with storyline that you go back yes. and say, oh, that's interesting. You know, like, that's, that's really interesting how we got here. But, yeah, they certainly address it on Total Divas, so it's known that Renee Young and Dean Ambrose are dating. That's a known fact. I They haven't talked about it in storyline. Well, just, just like, you know, the Natalia later on in this show brought it up with uh, Nikki Bella, the thing about marriage. That's the Total Divas storyline. That's the Total Divas storyline, right? That's a good yes. point. So, I, I, you know, I don't really have a problem with it necessarily, did they handle it? Like, was all of this the right way for them to handle it? You know, I mean, there's a couple of things, and I, yes, it depends where they go from here. Okay, but yes, it was. I'm gonna because go ahead. Dean Ambrose, I'm sorry, Miz got so much heat from that. You're right. Now I I'm gonna bring something up, and we're gonna I want you guys to have the conversation instead of just react to it. Okay, I want to talk about this. They even in a fake television world, even knowing that these are TV characters, they can't have a male performer do that to a female. Why not? They, because it, it would be too real. It would be too... Do, do what? Smack. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking yeah. about... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's you're, you're talking about the, the other way around. Yes. I'm saying that when Renee Young smacked The Miz, yes. they cannot have a male performer do that to a female performer. Correct. 
And I'm wondering if there's a fine line right now in which if you're, you know, like if we're not, unless, unless they want to go down the road of male female competition. And that's where, the, yeah. And, and there's an argument for that, right? Like we've seen that. But it's clearly not going to be involving the Miz and Renee Young. Oh, 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 never mind. I thought you were going somewhere else with this. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, what I'm saying is I don't know that they want to go down this road of having females physically, you know, whatever you want to call it. Confront. Have you watched the product for the last I under- three years? Well, how many people Stephanie. Stephanie McMahon? Yeah, I mean, slide. that's Stephanie McMahon. And I would argue that I don't know. I think we've all sat back and talked about some of the decisions they've had Stephanie McMahon make. And I think that we've all kind of had questions about the direction they've gone with the Stephanie McMahon character to begin with. I think that's I hate the burst of bubble, but women are allowed to hit men. Yes. In society, yes. If it, literally any woman in the world could come up and punch me as hard as she wanted in my nose, right? And w- nothing would come from it. Well, if you, unless you chose that you wanted something to come from it, that's if absolutely. If I tried press charges on a woman for punching me in the face, and a cop came up and I said she punched me in the face, arrest her, he would laugh at me. He might. Or, or, but or if you, if you would say, "Are you serious, dude?" Is, isn't this thing in a, Kansas? Isn't uh, the when uh, he was accused of battery recently, the uh, the Kansas basketball player on a woman, they looked at oh, the yeah. videotape, saw that she was the instigator, and now she's the one. Well, who's I mean, being and that's with and I understand what AJ's trying to yeah, say. Yeah, no, no, general. You're right, and Joe Mixon also got punched before he knocked that girl out in Oklahoma, and how right. did that work out for him? Well, he knocked her out. That's the problem, right? Like what I'm saying is that if if that video, if what happens is you really did get punched and you felt like you wanted to press charges over it. You would have legal recourse by which to do so. I, I think my point is right now, I don't know that that's a world that they want to continue to live in. I think that everything they're doing right now and, and, and female, male equality stuff, right? I think that's a, that's a tough road to start going down and I would avoid it. I don't think the answer in that circumstance is to have a female non-competitor Slap a male competitor. Where are you going? Did 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 you feel the same way about Lana and Enzo on Raw? Just curious, because Lana slapped Enzo on Raw. Right. Um, No, you did not. No, it's interesting that you say that, and and I and I'm wondering if that's because Lana's a competitor. Is she? But she's not really right. What if Renee Renee is becoming a competitor? Yeah, and that and I think that would change things in my mind. And and that's why I was saying if if this is if this is leading to. Miz and Maurice against Dean and Renee. Right. No, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that, and I don't know that that's a bad. And I don't. I don't know what they have in mind for Renee as far as being a competitor. And and you're right, AJ. That right at the moment, Lana's not really a competitor, and she's had all of one match. So is it really fair to call her a competitor? But at least they put her. Renee has been nothing but an interviewer. She's been in no way involved in a physical capacity with the WWE. Um. I don't know. It's an interesting world to me. And if that's where you're going with it, then that's a logical. I I, I can see that, and I I think that that would be be interesting to me if that's the direction that you're going with it. It's a I don't know. I think it's a fine line with with female to male stuff right now because of the the, the frankly because of the state of our our culture at the moment. It's just a fine, you know, that when we bring up questions, well, well, would it be okay if it was the other way around? Well, it it shouldn't be. Frankly, it shouldn't be, but yet we're saying that, it, you know, there's a lot of that stuff. That's all I'm saying. We can move on. I know we, it's clear that we don't want to continue this. Moving forward. I, I think there's another interesting uh, way to look at just that, that whole situation, and it's the idea that Miz 
you know, is almost becoming, and, and be, before anyone yells when they hear this, I'm not comparing it uh, one-to-one, Miz is almost becoming the kind of new version of CM Punk. Yeah, I saw, I, I don't know if I saw you talking about that or somebody else talking about that. Um, kind, kind of the idea that he's the one who's going to try to the, interject well, it's reality. The, it's the, the work-shoot concept, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's, that's the concept. Which is fine. I mean, I, yeah. I don't really have a problem with that. As, as long as, as this long has as been the work shoot era of yeah. WWE. I mean, this has been the, you know, I think it's began. It's with called the reality era. The reality era, yes. right? But it began with the the Lita stuff with um, Edge and and Matt Hardy at that point, and you know they've uh, it, look. If everybody else is talking about something that involves your company. You should be talking about it too, right? Like that's that's always the argument that I've made is that when something's going on, you should be on top of it. What was the one that I was flipping out about that happened a few months ago, where like they didn't mention there was something that hurt that came out on a Monday, they didn't mention it at all on Le- something with Lesnar. I think it was something with Lesnar. Was it when he got? Suspe- no, I think it was the draft. You, you rant, definitely ranted about the draft. That I, they, I, no, but they mentioned that. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was. I, everybody's talking about something, and you're. I think it was Lesnar. Might have been Lesnar. That might have been it's what it was. Drug test. It could have been. It could have been. Or it could have been the announcement of his opponent. I don't. I just don't remember exactly what it was. But it was everywhere except, like, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm into this. I turned on wrestling, and there's no mention of it. Like that. That to me doesn't make sense. Now, I'm, it's not the same way. Renee Young and Dean Ambrose is not so significant in the world that you look stupid if you're not referencing it, right? It's not. How dare you? I know, I know. How dare I suggest such a thing? But there is something to be said for it's out there. People know about it. Why pretend like it doesn't exist? And so I got no beef with that. I, I think the important thing here is that it, this doesn't just become he he said it just for the the one moment in time that he actually incorporates if if Renee gets involved right. in the storyline or something. Not? Why not? I, I don't like the idea of just throwing it out there for a one time thing, a one time pop, and then never reference. If you're going to go down this but road, but you gotta you got think of it like that would be him doing it for a one time thing would be completely Miz playing his games, trying to get under Dean Ambrose's skin. Like that's his character in a nutshell. But if it uh, if it doesn't impact Renee anymore for the for the next month, then oh, but does what? Renee need to be involved with this? That's what I'm saying. She doesn't have to be. The I kind of I kind of agree with AJ here. Yeah. Dean Ambrose and Miz feuding for the Intercontinental Title. That's that's the point. So and, wait, I mean, I guess I guess if you're if you're saying that, then does Renee just show up, be, do her job, and pretend almost pretend yeah, it doesn't happen? I understand what you're talking about. Like that, there's the awkwardness of that, and I I don't know how much you need Renee Young to be involved with this in order to be able to do her job. Right? Is right. is it clearly. I mean, you very you you put her in a central moment on SmackDown. Like, yes, she, it she was, was a talked about. Right. Yes. So, a, so I think you have to at least deal with. And presumably in video packages, you're going to include it. And so, right. It, it, with that being your argument, I would I would lean back to, to your side of the pendulum. Um, I I don't know that this needs to be a Renee Young feud. I don't think. Yeah, that, that's what I'm no, no, no. She yeah. can be involved, and that could be parts of it, but it doesn't have to lead to. Dean and Renee versus Maurice and Miz, or the feud is a bust. No, no. Like, like the whole point of this is to get Dean and Miz fighting for the Intercontinental title. So if they did this as a one big segment one time, and then from this point forward she's just a part of it but not the main focus point of it, 
that would still work. Yeah, as long as she's a part of it. That's all I'm saying is you, you don't do this and then try to go back to it just being Miz versus right. Dean next week. Right. Yeah, okay. I mean, I... I, but I want Miz and Dean, so there's a fine line there, man. Where like I don't really want this to be Renee Young, Renee, Renee, Renee Young. I'm not saying that you couldn't at oh, some you, point. You, mean you don't want uh, Rusev, Dolph, Lana. Yeah, and I'm Summer gonna pass Ray? on all of that. I'm gonna pass. Um, okay, what else do we need to touch on from SmackDown? I mean, we we got Baron. We we kind of touched on it, but Baron yeah, is in the title. So picture. Baron's in the title picture. But again, we don't know if this is just a placeholder type it, of thing. It's probably just a placeholder. Okay, then what do you think the direction is towards Royal Rumble? What do you think the championship? Cena, Cena, Cena or Taker? Like I said, we you know C, we know Cena is coming back next week, right. so that would be very logical unless he puts himself into um, the Rumble. And we also have this thing where. Taker promised us he's not coming back just for that run road to WrestleMania, but if he doesn't come back in the next two seen. weeks, he's coming back just for the road to WrestleMania. Right. So I think that he's going to show up in the next couple of weeks. So I think one of them faces uh, AJ at the Rumble. No, I hate it, but it's going to be. I mean, look, there is still something. Why do you hate it? Because John Cena and and AJ Styles are going to put on right, and that's that part I'm good with. The best what, match of the night. I I told you already. I'm opposed to John Cena Undertaker being for the title at WrestleMania. And okay. if John Cena is in a championship match at the Royal Rumble, I don't know if you know this, but is John Cena in that match? He's yeah. he's going to win. And then Unless it would be Undertaker, Undertaker gets involved well, and chokes I mean, John Cena. But now you're suggesting it's, a scenario where there's a match that involves John Cena and John Cena doesn't win it. Well, John and Cena I'm can just, win by disqualification in that way. Could he win by disqualification? I guess that's true. All right, fair enough. He could still do it that way. Um, look, I, that's you're right, and there is still something unresolved with John Cena and AJ Styles. So if you want to make the argument, you know, well, it's, it's not, not really, really unresolved, unresolved. But AJ to, Styles has. They're going to no, pretend it's unresolved. Because he keeps calling himself the, the, ch- the that runs Right. The and that's, that's the part. It's so, it's not that it's unresolved. It's more just AJ Styles has not moved on from John Cena fully. Like he's still kept John Cena in the picture. And so there is an argument for you need one more AJ Styles John Cena match because John Cena's got to say to AJ Styles, hey, fuck you. You're not the, I, I'm, again, not, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it because if AJ Styles and John Cena are in a match. I know who wins the match because John Cena is involved, and I don't want that because I don't want. Uh, I don't want to keep talking about it. It's just going to make me upset. Um, but yeah, I, in the meantime, I like I I like trying to elevate Baron Corbin. I I think that AJ has spoken of the fact that there's right now a need to have a true. Uh, you need to have somebody step up and and become a really significant babyface on SmackDown. That's not. Hey, you know what I just thought of too. While we were sitting there talking, um, it's very possible that Dean Ambrose and The Miz could fight not for the Intercontinental title. How because, so? Because uh, Apollo Crews did just lose by getting poked in the eye. Okay, so you're saying and that he has a rematch and he wins the rematch, and then you can let the Intercontinental title give somebody else. Yeah, some, the right now Miz does not need the Intercontinental title, and if we're all being honest. We don't want Miz to have the Intercontinental title because we want him to have the right. WWE title. Right. So you give him, you get, because you get Apollo Crews over so quickly by having him beat the Miz. And then you have Apollo Crews feud with Baron Corbin and for the Intercontinental title. And then you have Miz, uh, Dean Ambrose, and you have uh, AJ Styles and the WWE title versus either John Cena and or The Undertaker. Well, except for those two guys are going to be involved with each other. He's saying for I'm the saying, Rumble. Oh, I'm for saying. the Rumble. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Sure. You just solved everything. Let's do it. Where do I sign up? 
Where do I, where do I go to, to give it my, my blessing? Because I'm for it. Like I, none of this is a problem to me. I am all in. Anything, anything. Other than the weird Carmella James Ellsworth uh, thing. Yeah. I, I don't quite understand that, but. Well, I mean, whatever. if, if hey, they're. this coverage. Congrats. Right. If they're doing something with Carmella, that's a good thing, because she's maybe the worst character on the show right now. I mean, she's horrendous. It, there's just nothing there. They, they, all they've got is Staten Island. That's it. That's the, it's like the, what they're doing with uh, TJ Perkins and video games. They're like, we need some character get depth. Video games! Okay, but. But what else? No, no, he's gonna reset the competition. <laughs> but he's gonna put a quarter into the right, game. But video games. <laughs> they're doing this. They've done the same thing with Carmella. But Staten Island. She can moonwalk. Right. That's, I mean, that's what they've done. They they need to do something with her to give her some sort of of relevance. And if they're just gonna sort of swiftly push her out of the Nikki Natalia thing, which I guess they should. It. But it was all the whole thing was weird to begin with. Like they had her linger around to get you to Nikki Natalia. That's still unresolved, but you don't really want a resolution because just everything's so stale with with Carmella. And, right and, now. and what's the resolution there? Like you don't want Natalia and Carmella because they're both heels, I think. Yeah, I, the, I just you, you know, Nikki should have no reason to go after Carmella at this point. Yeah, right. She so. helped her technically, right? I mean, yeah. like I, I just nothing to do with Carmella makes a lick of sense to me. I don't know what that is. Just and put her into a feud with Naomi. Get Naomi back in the picture. Well, I like yeah. having Naomi around. That, no, but, I, I'm serious. Like, yeah. do that. Just if you want Carmella in the picture, bring back Naomi and put them in a feud together. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, they just, they just forgot. They have to give characters depth and, and, and things like that. And they just haven't done it. Uh, in the tag team picture, we have uh, a match next week. And so we got our answer. What was going to happen with um, Zack Ryder being hurt? They they kind of removed Mojo. Now I think there's there's reason for all of us to be concerned. I know Mojo got this moment because Ryan Phillippe was around and they used him sort of as the fun character to hang out with the celebrity for a week, which you know we've seen a number of guys do over the years. But I do think that there's reason for those of us that care about Mojo to be concerned about what their direction is for him while Zack Ryder is hurt. Like, I, I just don't know what they do there. Intercontinental champion. I, I was, Let's do I, it. I was going to say, like, as a, even just a one-month kind of filler feud, I think him and Miz could be really interesting. I think there's a, I think we all believe there's a lot of things that Mojo can do, but have they given us any reason to think they're going to do that? Is I mean, if we're being honest, the reason why they were going to be in the tag team title match wasn't Zack Ryder. Like, they like they, Mojo. They've gotten a lot out of Zack Ryder, and Zack Ryder is a, is a veteran, and he's going to be able to provide a lot of good work, and he's going to be. I don't able you know to this. He won the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. Yeah, were, you're absolutely were, right. Were you there? He lost it, and he lost it the next night. Hey, some guys lose. Chris Jericho lost something the next night too, dog. No, but here's what I'm saying. My point is actually it was two nights fact, later, right? He lost it on SmackDown. The, my point is that to swagger. You have, you have to understand that. I think the point of the hype bros, first of all, they're called the hype bros, not the bros that get hype. They're called the hype bros. I do appreciate it. Thank they're you. They're broken Matt Hardy would probably call them the bros that get right. hype. That is true. But you have to understand, I think the entire point of their, te- their entire point of their teaming was to get Mojo over. Uh, right. Zach okay. Zach already, already had a career. Zach already had everything he needed. And when they... Like, Zack Ryder might have been the backbone of that team, but the point of the team was to build Mojo. And I think that now they might be able to do that without Zack Ryder. Now, if they're willing to do it or not, that's a completely different story. Yeah, I thought the purpose of the primetime players was to get Titus over. So, <laughs> I, 
I I hear you. I just I'm I'm telling you as somebody that and and I know that you far even more than I uh, want to see him succeed. I'm nervous. I'm just that's all I'm saying. I'm nervous because it was definitely bad timing, if nothing else. Right. Because even if the plan was to get Mojo over, it was to get him over as the tag. You know, put him in a more Bigger spotlight right. with the tag team before breaking him off. And that's all. That's all I'm at. You're right. I'm, You're, right. You're I'm, not wrong. I'm nervous about it, and I hope that I'm proved wrong. I hope that they they say, you know what, we're going to pull the trigger. We like this. Um, I have been nervous all along that they will not do it until – they, they, like literally they think the purpose of this is that ultimately Rob Gronkowski is not going to play for the Patriots anymore, and they're going to be able to get him at WrestleMania. Like I am nervous that that's always what they have assumed was going to be the role of all of this. But – I hope that they're invested and they see what the rest of us see in Mojo and they see a guy that goes out and does great work and kills his character and 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 lives his character. And I hope that they'll be willing to let that ride a little bit. We'll see in the coming weeks. We'll see if that's what they do. Anything else? Smackdown-wise? Okay, then we can move on. When we come back in, Charlie Ebersol is going to join us. He is the director of the next ESPN 30 for 30 film, this was the XFL. We'll do that next. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster, and he's the main event. AJ Francis. This is Jobbing Out. Stay up to date with all the latest Ravens game day info with PressBox's Project Game Day. Use your phone, tablet, or computer to get a live stream of the latest social media, video links, and pictures keeping you in touch with every aspect of this week's game. In front of the TV or on the go, use any smartphone or computer to get into the action now at PressBoxOnline.com slash gameday. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash gameday. PressBox's Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and Geico. Hi there, KZ here with Sarita the NFL Chick. Every Sunday from 10 a.m. to noon, you can hear us right here on PressBoxOnline.com slash radio for the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football, Football Show. show. Sarita tries to keep me in check. I get a little uh, shady every no, once No, I just while. try to keep KZ in realistic world instead of you either it's stink a, or you're great. It's all about fantasy. It doesn't matter what's real. It just doesn't. Yes, because wins and losses don't matter, KZ. They don't. They don't. Garbage time is winning time. <laughs> That's all that matters. Anyway, you can listen to us, as I said, 10 a.m. to noon right here. Pressboxonline.com slash radio or slash fantasy, whichever you're in the mood for nfl college football 10 a.m baseball 10 a.m to noon every sunday the press box fantasy and reality football show pressboxonline.com slash radio how well do you pick weekly nfl games pick factor is the free new app that lets you pick each week's games and see how you do against your friends or against the whole country join other leagues or create your own custom league all for free pick factor is easy to download from the google play store or the app store when you open the pick factor app for the first time a full tutorial shows you what to do play against the press box staff when you download pick factor click join a league and enter league name pbs for press box sports once you enter pbs you'll be able to see how your weekly picks do against the press box staff this week anyone who beats the press box staff will automatically be qualified to win a 25 dollars royal farms gift card one winner will be chosen from everyone who beats our entire staff you need to be 18 or older to enter and 
and live in Maryland. No purchase is necessary. We will notify the winner through email in the Pick Factor app. If nobody beats our entire staff, the person in our league with the highest score will win the $25 gift card. To get the most points, fill out your picks by Thursday. It's you against the Press Box Pros. Download the Pick Factor app in the Google Play Store or the App Store. Back in here, Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, AJ unfortunately had to duck out for a minute, but uh, we are so stupid excited to be talking to our next guest. Uh, he doesn't know I'm a fan, but Aaron is uh, like a fangirl. I mean, he is totally obsessed. Uh, Aaron, you told me recently you went and you did what? What did you purchase recently? Well, I was up at the uh, Sports Collectors Convention, and I've always said, if I find any piece of XFL merchandise there, I am buying it in a heartbeat. I don't care the price. So I went ahead and I found a uh, program and a ticket stub from the first XFL game. That is unbelievable. Our next guest <laughs> is the director of the 30 for 30 for ESPN. This was the XFL. It's debuting February 2nd at 9 p.m., but the trailer is out. There's two, actually, and I haven't even seen the other one until he told me that it was there. It's unbelievable. Charlie Ebersaw is with us now and jobbing out. Charlie, I, <laughs> Thank you, guys. I, you have no idea how freaking excited we are about this project that you've been working on, man. I, I, have, a, I have a little bit of idea based on the conversation so far, but also... Look, this, I think even when we dove in to do this film, this film was really personal for me, you know, because my dad and Vince created yeah. the lead together. I don't think I fully appreciated until, you know, 36 hours ago when we dumped the trailer uh, online and put it on, you know, they aired it during the 30 for 30 about Notre Dame and Miami on Saturday night. Um, I don't think I realized the level of, of excitement. I mean, we got uh, the trailers now... Know, millions of views in just the first 30 so we're, we're very excited we're it's uh it's very cool all right so to so take me back to like how all of this came together clearly you had you know a, a first-hand experience of everything that happened and, and you and i are about the same age so you were you were young when the xfl thing happened um but but when did you know there's a story here that i would like to tell and start working towards how you were going to tell it Oh, I, uh, four hours before kickoff the first game when I was a senior in high school and I was hanging out with, like, Rod Smart, who was telling me he was going to call himself He Hate Me, and then there were, like, nine cheerleaders that were wearing what looked to be basically floss. I was like, yes, I'm in. Um, and then, look, here, here, here's the thing. The XFL, everyone, everyone signed, you know, uh, writes it off as this joke, as this failure. And it always bothered me because... If you tune into an NFL or an NCAA or an NBA or anything, really, any professional sports game, you see the fingerprints of the XFL all over it. I mean, the sky cam, the steady cams, the mics on the field were all invented. So when 30 for 30 first got created, I, um, I started talking with the guys because they had wanted to do a couple of different films, and I had always sort of shrugged off ideas because I wanted something that was going to really resonate with me personally. And... Um, when they came and said, we've got this idea, uh, and mentioned the XFL, I, like, honestly, I had goosebumps. And, and so what I did first was I called my dad and Vince, and both of them were like, uh, we'll call you back. <laughs> and it took me about, I don't know, a month of, of talking to them and sort of giving them a picture of what I wanted to do, because I wanted to be critical. The film's critical of them, for sure. But I also wanted to sort of show people what really went on behind the scenes, which 
quite frankly, was more insane and interesting and crazy than most of the stuff that happened <laughs> during the actual league. Yeah, I, there's no doubt. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, Vince in particular, I feel, has always been very touchy about the XFL, very touchy about the subject. How hard was it to get him involved with it, and, and did he open up about everything with the uh, XFL? Um, you know, it's funny. I screened the film when I finished it. I didn't let my father or Vince see the film until it was done, locked, you know, um, having been raised by these two men in a lot of ways. Um because my dad created Saturday Night Main Event with Vince in the 80s. Yeah. So I'd grown up with them as a child um, together. They give notes on everything. I mean, my, I started my first company when I was 12, and I worked three weeks creating this magazine that I ended up selling. And uh, I handed it to my dad after three weeks of work, and he handed it back to me, and he said, there's a typo on the cover. And so I <laughs> have to look at the first draft. So I was very nervous about showing it to him. I showed them the first draft, and afterwards um, – Vince was really, he was wonderful, he was really complimentary, and then afterwards, Triple H had been in the screening, Paul, and so Triple H pulls me aside, and he said, I've never seen an interview where Vince was this sort of vulnerable and forthcoming, because he's really, really um, honest about, it. you know, it's not the best feeling in the world when every single critic in the world lights you up, and, you know, I think he, um, you know, I got him on a good day, because this is a man who doesn't do press. Ever yeah. and and so for him to do it and then there's a really beautiful I mean I'm I'm talking about my own film so it sounds weird when I say that but there's a cool scene at the end where my dad and Vince um, sit down and have dinner and for the first time in 15 years really talk about it because they've been friends for 30 years they see each other a lot but they haven't really ever re-examined the league and so literally 15 years to the day of the uh, championship game. They sit down for dinner and talk about it, and it's a you know it's a very emotional scene, and um, I don't think anyone expected that because when I pitched it to ESPN, I said, look, this film, yes, it's about the league and all this other stuff, but really it's this love story between these two guys who nobody would think would be best friends. Meanwhile, they combined have created the biggest things in all of television and have this one failure on their record that I think has been misunderstood for a long time, and so. That's what the film tries to do, while at the same time, I, I like the Ode to Joy trailer that you're referring to. Yeah. Perfectly represents what the film is like, because we tried in <laughs> in 90 minutes to compress so much insanity uh, that it's hard to describe. He is Charlie Ebersol. You know, for those that don't know, because, look, we've got quite the wrestling audience in our show. They are very aware of uh, who Vince McMahon is. Your dad, Dick Ebersoft, for people that don't know, was chairman of NBC Sports. He was he was NBC Sports essentially for 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 20 years, right? For something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, my dad in 1975 hired Lauren Michaels, and together they created Saturday Night Live. That's okay. I mean, that's then, all right. Uh, he, yeah. And then he came back. He came back five years later and produced the show for six years. And during that time, he met Vince, and they created Saturday Night's main event together. And then in 89, my dad became the head of NBC Sports and through the 90s, um, you know, was regularly referred to as the most powerful man in sports, largely because of what he built with NBC around the Olympics and right. football and all this other stuff. And then in 98, NBC lost the, uh, lost the NFL and he and Vince, uh, through just serendipity, both sort of started thinking about creating a football league and, uh, <laughs> yeah. the rest is, uh, let's call it history. So, so to me, what what did you learn? This is fascinating. As a guy that was upfront 
And, and, and there are, we're nerds, right? Like we have been reading old stories and watching old clips and, you know, it's the member areas thing. Like we're trying to go back and remember as much as we possibly can. But for someone who was there, who was living it the way that you were, what did you learn through this process about everything that went into the, you know, the, the league and the failure, everything about it? Well, first of all, do you remember the original ad campaign for the XFL? I, I I vaguely remember some of the pro, some of the Vince just the bombastic promos the the no, but I mean the but I mean the commercials. Do you remember the first two commercials? You're gonna have to remind me, and I, I feel like as soon as you okay, tell me, I'm yeah. right. No, because I I I kept I I remember Vince at the podium, but here I'll yeah. tell you one thing that when the tape came in, I literally could not believe what I was watching. There are two there are two there are two commercials. The first commercial is XFL training camp, and it is a military test zone where they're blowing up explosives <laughs> while guys are catching footballs and getting, you know, hit by Mack trucks. Okay. And, and the guy gets hit with a wrecking ball to explain that there'd be no fair catch in the game. <laughs> and the second trailer was a cheerleader who is in a locker room, this and all you can see is her eyes. And the voice says, the eyes of a lady. They can express love. And they can express, and sort of this romantic poem. And then the music stops, the camera pulls back and reveals that she's in a locker room wearing not a lot, a cheerleader. <laughs> and it says, never mind all that. Whoa, can you believe what she looks like? And at the end, it just says, XFL. Don't worry, we'll teach him how to cheer. <laughs> I, I do remember that one now that you bring it up. I, I remember. Oh, I can't believe. This was I mean, not that, that long that, ago. But I mean, that's like. Yeah. The, yeah. I just, you know, it's 15 years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. here's the thing. There's, the amount of anecdotes, like, this was the problem. We, when you do a 30 for 30, they ask you to create some webisode material so that, you know, when the right. marketing is going on, people can see more. And most films create, like, one or two things. We ended up creating nine separate full-length short films, like seven to nine minutes each, about all these things that could not possibly fit in the film. Like, just how they how they recruited the cheerleaders by themselves. And the cheerleader halftime show with Rodney Dangerfield, um, which happened during, I mean, I'm sorry, when they went into the locker of the cheerleaders. Right. There's some stuff I don't want to talk about because I think there's some great surprises in the film. But also during the marketing of the film, some of the crazy stuff that happened to them, um, everything that could possibly be stuffed into a year, they did. And everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong for them. Like, it was both the craziest and it was the worst luck you've ever seen for an organization ever. Now, this is something I've been wondering for a while, and I don't know if, how much you cover it in the film or, or you know, just because you were there. That first, uh, you know, coin toss, the, the thing that replaced yeah, the yeah, coin the toss. Scramble. The, yeah. the, the, the scramble. The scramble and the guy getting injured there. What was the reaction to that? Oh, hold on. Back up. So just so we're clear, because the audience may not remember. So what they did at the beginning of the game, they didn't want to do a coin toss. So Ken Shanzer, who was the president of uh, NBC Sports at the time under my dad, came up with this idea called the scramble. And the scramble was you'd put a ball on the 50-yard line, and then you'd line two guys up next to each other on the 35-yard line, and you'd blow a whistle, and they'd both sprint for the ball. And whoever came up with the ball, would their team would possess the would be able to choose kickoff, and they would get the ball first uh, in overtime, which was um, you know sudden death overtime. So it was an important play. So the first two weekends, the teams put their like best defensive backs out there to you know go get the ball. Well, in the first two weeks, 
60% of the players who ran in the scramble were knocked out for the season. I mean, that's the type of luck that the league had. It was insanity. But, you know, and then we don't talk about this in the film, but I just, uh, the one of the people who runs uh, Seven Bucks, which is The Rock's production company, was reminding me a story that I had completely forgotten, which was on the flight into Las Vegas, this is like, 24 hours before kickoff of the first game, my father and Vince and a bunch of the writers from the WWE and Triple H and The Rock and all these guys are on this plane, and on the flight, they're trying to figure out what to call it because they've invented it but never thought to come up with a name for it. So as they're flying, they're like, suicide scramble or the rush for the ball or, like, anything they can come up with. Wow. The 24 hours before. Yeah, right. Don't forget. Don't forget. The idea for the league was conceived of on October 20th, 1999. Right. And the league kicked off on February 3rd, 2001. So 15 months from the day they decide they're going to do it, they have to create eight teams, they have to find eight stadiums, they have to find eight coaches, they have to find uh, uh, 360 players, they have to put the teams together, they have to market I mean, all of that stuff happened in 15 months. It was insanity. I don't know that there's a way to answer this question, Charlie, but in doing this, in, in looking back, revisionist history, okay? If this yeah. isn't on NBC, if it's just on, I think it was TNN at the time, yeah. right? And there were yeah. USA, a couple other. If they don't put it on NBC, does it work? You can't make the economics work. That, that's really what okay. the problem was. Here's the thing. I personally believe, having spent the last two years working on this project, that there is a version, and Vince is of this mindset too, I think, there's a version of the league that clearly would have worked. I mean, they got incredibly unlucky. They, at, you know, two weeks before kickoff, they decided to go with the Vegas-New York game instead of the Orlando Rage game, which um, was, was played at the same time as the first game. And, you know, there was one game in Vegas, one in Orlando, and they chose the Vegas game as the launch point. And it was a 19-0 route. It was the only, it was the only blowout of the season uh, in prime time. But it was their lead game. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Orlando game was like 34-37 and was a barn burner, and everything that they wanted to have happen and had promised happened in the Orlando game and didn't happen in the Vegas game. And then in the second game, they have the power outage, which we talk about in the film. Like they got screwed by luck a lot. So there's that. They also only practiced. The teams were only on the field practicing together for 30 days before kickoff. So they had four scrimmage games in in total, uh, and some teams didn't even get to participate in scrimmage games. So I think the quality of play. The long story short is they sold a million tickets before kickoff at $25 a ticket. So there was plenty of live event interest. And the Sunday games, which were on UPN and TNN at the time, both of those had very strong Sunday afternoon ratings. Yeah. The Saturday primetime rating was difficult, but part of that I do believe was that the first two weeks of NBC primetime, when you know opening night you had 54 million people, they saw really crappy football the first weekend, and then they, they power went in the second week. So they never got a chance to show the audience what I think became of it. And by that point, by the third week, the audience isn't coming back, and the critics are just crucifying them. So... I actually believe that if luck had sort of gone in a slightly different direction, would this thing have been a massive success? No, but those first three weeks ratings were, they were decimating expectations 
um, for the first three or four weeks of the of the XFL, but it was on this downward spiral that I just don't think there was anything they could do to get back underneath it. How much? Which I think is, you know, unfortunate. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by it's a story that I've heard about, and I hope that you guys talked about in the film. The story of Lorne Michaels freaking out because he had Jennifer oh, yeah. Lopez on. Yeah, that's on. in that film. Okay, I cannot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we call it, it's it's called the J Lo game. That <laughs> we go into great detail about that in the film, and that's particularly it's an incredibly interesting story, right? Yeah. Because my dad created SNL with Lorne. Right, right. He produced SNL during its five most successful years. So for him and Lorne, you know, this was an opportunity for a huge lead-in for SNL because remember. Game one did 54 million viewers, so going into game two, everybody was like, okay, we're going to carry a huge audience into this thing, and then they have all kinds of technical issues, and, and the game goes into double overtime, and like everything that could go wrong in the first two weeks went wrong. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, we, we document sort of uh, what went down. I'm, I'm, um, I'm so fascinated by it because I'm also an SNL like I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a fangirl for SNL as well. So this is like worlds colliding. This this whole story, this notion of you've got you've got the performer who has both the number one movie and the number one album in the country on SNL that night, and here you have this other thing. And like, oh my god, it just everything runs together in this this perfect storm. And I'm, I'm I need to see the movie now. I can't wait until February second. I can't wait that long. It's Charlie. funny. It's funny. I mean, he, here's the thing. I grew up. My the first ten years of my life were you know my dad was producing Saturday Night Live three ni- three weeks a month and then Saturday Night's main event one night a month, so I would go from being you know in 8H uh, at Rockefeller you know while he's you know dealing with comedy and everything to uh, I used to be I used to be babysat by Hulk Hogan because he was the <laughs> last guy to go out every night on Saturday Night Main Event so I'd be in his I'd be in his Room, green room, or whatever, with my you know older brother or whoever who was watching me at the time, and that's where we'd sit. Uh-huh. And so, like doing this film and having all of those things, sort of—that's the real reason I wanted to do this film. Is yeah. it, it perfectly represents the first 18 years of my life? That's incredible. God, that's incredible. I'm I'm so fascinated by that, man. You, when are you going to do the Saturday Night Main Event movie? I was going to say we right. we need more of this now. Right. You know, it's so funny. I, uh, I've been talking to WWE about uh, everything around Saturday Night Man. I don't even know, like, movie, TV show, comic book. Like, I don't care. The, the, stories, uh, uh, the stories of how that came together and the things that happened during it are so totally insane that I don't – like, I was, trying to, I was trying to explain a story the other day to someone about um, – uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant after a uh, Saturday main event, uh, they were incredibly hungry. And at like 2.30 in the morning, having just wrapped and everything, one thirty in the morning, having just wrapped in the middle of nowhere, they go to a White Castle together with Bob <laughs> Costas, who's in a tuxedo. What? Um, having just covered, I mean, like, that's the, that's the type of stuff that happened that, like, you just, like, if I could explain it to you and you'd still be like, I don't know, that sounds too, <laughs> and that's like the tip of the iceberg. Oh, my God, that's amazing. By the way, as an aside... Yes. As an aside, there's another film that we're doing right now, which I'm just going to tease you, that has to do with the Redskins, uh, that uh, won't be out till sometime next year. But when well, it does, we're going to have to get back because yes. it's a whole other level of insanity that you will uh, you will not believe. You have piqued yes. the interest. <laughs> I can assure you of that. There are a lot of people that just put their antenna up 
uh, uh, based on that. All right. Uh, so, 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 give me an idea now. Between now and and February second, like what what what's life like now for you? Is I don't know what it, what this is for a director. Are you just okay? You know, my work here is done. I'll do the interviews. I'll do all that stuff. Or is 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 it now? Do you still have stuff that you need to do between now and when we we all get to see this? Well, I, I so I directing is something that if a project comes along that I love, I do. I I own a television production company that has uh, several shows in production right now. So we produce The Profit on CNBC okay. and the West Texas Investors Club on CNBC and a handful of other shows. So we're in production. Like my life, unfortunately, uh, just continues to be the same. Um, conversations about how much craft services to send to West Texas. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, we're, you know, I'm, look, I, I think that a filmmaker, producer, director, whatever, that your job is half making the movie and the other half is selling the movie. And so uh, much to, I think, ESPN's chagrin, I am intimately involved in pushing. We're, we're in talks right now, again, I'll give you another sort of sneak preview, about doing something in January uh, in the lead-up to the film for XFL fans that, you know, based on the response, the response has been so overwhelming in social media um, in the last four weeks since we announced and then the trailer coming out on Saturday. It's been so overwhelming that um, we're talking about how to do something for the fans because I was talking to um, Rod, he hate me smart, <laughs> the other day and saying, you know, you have to, we have to get him out in the universe and having people be yeah. able to interact with him because yeah. – the character and a half, who, by the way, went on to have an incredible yep, NFL career yep. um, as well. I have a I have a piece of trivia for you, though. Um, do you know? I'll give you a hint too. Do you know the XFL player, the last XFL player to leave the NFL? Do you know who it was? And the hint is, he played on the Denver Broncos when they lost to uh, the the uh, Seahawks. The last. Oh my wow! God. Um, so, so Tommy Maddox won. Right, right. Tommy yes. Maddox won a Super Bowl. That would have been my first. And guess, Rod but... Smart, Rod Smart was one of the last players to get up. But the last player uh, of all the people uh, who were actually interviewed in the film, um, and uh, uh, he's always been uh, incredibly good to me. Um, Peter King turned me on to this story, and we actually have him in the film. Paris Lennon. Oh yeah. Oh, played, yeah. Uh, yeah, he played for the Maniacs. He played uh, in. He played with Denver Super Bowl. He was one of, I think, six XFL players to to play in a Super Bowl, and uh, unfortunately, one of the three who did not win one. Wow. Um, but I, uh, there is your trivia for the day. I, I, and we, uh, you know, AJ also is a former Terp, former Maryland quarterback. Scott Milanovich mm -hmm. was supposed to be the starting yes. quarterback for the Los Angeles team, but it ended up being you Tommy know, Maddox. But there's so. Uh, by the way, shut me up when I've... No, 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 this, no, no. this is too good. Go this is too good. I mean, this is unbelievable. We're going to air this so a couple the, of times. Uh, the XFL, the way they set the XFL up was that each of the eight teams, um, you know, L.A., San Francisco, uh, Orlando, uh, New York, Vegas, um, Memphis, and Birmingham, they, uh, uh, Chicago, and, sorry, Chicago and Birmingham, those teams uh, were uh, each given a number of colleges from their region that they could protect players from prior to the draft. Okay. And so all of the teams, you know, obviously the Florida and California teams had a little bit of an advantage. Right. Vegas, I think, got to use Texas, so that's obviously helpful. But the coach, Al Luganville of L.A., was 
uh, he had coached in the either World League or the European League, I can't remember which, but he knew that the only thing that mattered in sort of subpar football, meaning not quite as good as the NFL, the only thing that mattered is that you had quarterbacks that were legit. And he knew that in L.A. he could protect Tommy Maddox, and no one would ever even be able to take him, and as long as he got a high enough draft pick, he could take whoever the best player in the draft was. So he took Maddox, he took Maddox defensively and never told anyone, basically, outside of the league, so the other teams didn't realize it. And then he ended up with the first or second draft pick and took, and took Milanovic. So he went into training camp hands down with the two best players in the XFL, and he said to one of them, look, unless whichever one of you starts, unless one of you gets hurt, you're about to make, you're going to make a bunch of money for doing nothing because I have no intention of obviously trading you and I'm going to hold on to you. And that ended up being the winning formula because almost every other team ended up with a severe quarterback injury at some point in time. Wow. Nobody to bring in. Meanwhile, Tommy Maddox, if he, you know, wasn't feeling well, got hurt, whatever, he stepped out. And it would basically be like if the Patriots had, when Peyton got hurt, had just taken Peyton and made him the backup in, in New England. You know, it was, it was right, right. murderer's yeah. row. Uh, and it's that type of stuff, uh, you know, under the under the hood that they did that was, you know, insane. I, I, awesome. I, I'm looking forward to as much Jeff Brom footage as you have <laughs> because he's obviously, I mean, he's insane. He's completely nuts, and he was perfect for the XFL, and obviously now is, for those that don't know what's going on, to become the head coach at Purdue. He just yep. took that job this offseason, so that's a 10. Um I, I, man, I am I'm so blown away. As a graduate, as an aside note though, as a graduate of Notre Dame, um, I obviously now have to go back and cut Brom out of the film entirely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just my one question is, you know, this is something that obviously is considered a failure. Yet, as you said, and as you found out, has this huge following that people still want to know about. What is it about the XFL that has captured people's imagination so thoroughly? I think that the XFL was the brainchild of two men, my dad and Vince, who their entire careers were about an uncanny ability to actually hear what their audience was telling them. And what Vince heard was the NFL, which at the time, you know, was finding players. If you scored a touchdown and gave the ball to a sick kid in the crowd, they would find you like five grand. They were so out of touch with the enjoyment that the sport was supposed to be about. Vince saw that and saw an opportunity. And then at the same time, my dad, you know, my dad saw the opportunity to tell the story in a whole new way with technology, which, by the way, is exactly what happened in the 80s when my dad and Vince met. My father said, look, I don't want to touch your product. Your product's perfect. Just let me produce it differently. And he introduced the idea of multi-cameras mm-hmm. and all these other things that now when you watch wrestling are largely built around this incredible production value. That's really what my dad brought to it. Vince already had the story. That was the idea behind the XFL. Vince was going to bring the pomp and circumstance and personalities that the NFL had gotten rid of, and my dad was going to bring all these production technologies and, and storytelling uh, tools that the NFL just wouldn't allow. I mean, they had cameras everywhere. They had cameras in the locker room, on the sidelines. They were interviewing players in between plays, which now doesn't seem that revolutionary. That was one of the concerns we had with the film is we would, you know, at the end we'd be like, and they invented this, and everyone would be like, yeah, but we've been seeing that for 15 years. You know, the, the Skycam, for example, um, I think that that's what resonated. That and also, it was just, in, in sports and with, you know, you look at the things that have really stood out in sports in the last 20 years, and it's the XFL and the UFC. 
I think the reason is is because Dana White and Vince McMahon are two people who just really don't give a damn. Yeah. And so they're willing to go out, and they're willing to lay it all out on the line and really believe in something and do something. I mean, the only owner in 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 um, the NBA that anyone ever really talks about is Mark Cuban. Right. And the reason is because he's willing to go out there and put it on the line, say what he's really thinking. You don't get manicured um, uh, uh, sound bites from him. You get, you know, exactly what he's really thinking. And I think the XFL was that, you know um, – unfiltered id that we all want to see in sports. You know, what makes uh, uh, Josh Norman, for example, I mean, that's why you like him, because he says exactly what the hell he's thinking, yeah. and he calls people out for exactly what it is they're doing. Like, that's a definitive character that you don't see in professional sports, and so I think that really stood out. That is a great point. All right, uh, I, you are a very important person, and we have already kept you for entirely too long. I, I have, I cannot tell you. I don't you... know about the first half of that sentence, oh, but stop I'll it. agree with the second stop half. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> at Charlie Ebersaw on Twitter is how you can follow him. What else can we plug besides, you know, watch the film on February 2nd? Well, first of all, you can follow me on Twitter, but if you actually want to see anything I'm doing, you should follow me on Instagram at the okay. same thing, at Charlie Eversalt, because uh, I'm uh, much more visual. Second of all, uh, if you really want to see what we're doing beyond that film, um, The Profit on CNBC and the West Texas Investors Club um, are, uh, are uh, bread and butter and things that we're very proud of. So until then... Uh, check those things out, and then the Thursday before the Super Bowl, tune into ESPN uh, to remember what football looked like in 2001. And we will be in touch about this Redskins project. I can assure you. Oh, dude, uh, I can't wait. I, you guys are going to die uh, when we get around to, to that one. It is, it's, uh, it's a crazy story uh, that uh, my brother, who actually uh, he directs a lot of films for me, he uh, dug it up, and uh, we've been working on it for about, about a year, I guess, now. So uh, it'll be sometime uh, late spring next year. I am very excited. Charlie Ebersaw, a thrill, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. You're welcome, guys. Have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, like, again, I know that Aaron and I were awfully nerdy that entire time, but it's a subject that we are both really, really interested. And I would think, I don't know, it's, it's a weird crossroads between WWE and football and if you're a pro wrestling fan, I, I don't know that you're as into it, but we're talking about Vince McMahon. We're talking about the most interesting person. That That's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. Like, Vince McMahon doesn't do Vince interviews. Vince McMahon is on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. <laughs> that's, not really? what you, that's not what you said last time, Dick. <laughs> no, no, no. I said Vince McMahon is... I said he's not on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Oh, okay. but come on. He beat that's God in the match. How could he, he not That be, is true. He, he did beat God. God. He definitely did beat God. <laughs> Um, There's not a lot of people that can say that. I'm stoked, AJ. I know you weren't able to be a part of the interview, but I'm I'm fucking I, I'm I, so excited for I, this. I just I want to have him on again so we can get all of the Saturday Night Main Event stories that he was. Talking oh yeah, about. that was like, great too. Yeah. So, um, I, I, AJ, I, you, this is interesting for me because as an athlete, are you are you have you do you watch the Thirty for Thirties? Yeah, I watch. I've watched almost all of them. The ones I haven't watched live, I watch on Netflix. Yeah. They're really, I mean, they just, the series has been so unbelievable in general. Um, the best ones are the U, the U Part 2, 
um, Pony XS. Oh, two yeah. Escobars. The two Escobars uh, was incredible. I like the OJ uh, one. I thought the OJ one was one of the OJ best. Well, the, the, the OJ one was like a thousand hours long. No, 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 no. The, the first one that oh, they did they back did, in okay. the originals okay. where they didn't have any oh, narration July, at all. You mean the July 17, 1994? Yeah. yeah. Oh, with yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the OJ Chase. Yes. Uh, the, uh, yes. the, the, the Rangers and the Royals and they just, I thought as far as the way it was crafted, I thought that was the best one. Palmer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, that was a good one. I like selfishly because to it's me, local. The part two is the best one because it makes me like, even though I, I grew up, I was actually a Florida State fan growing up. To me, there's no team ever in the history of college football better than the 2001 Hurricanes. And anybody that says that I mean, there is, is <laughs> look at the roster. Life. Yeah, complete lack. Good lord. Um, I love that one. That was my personal favorite. Yeah, it was a good one. I mean, I, look, the Len Bias one obviously yeah. meant a lot to people around here. And then if you're from Baltimore and you don't cry watching the one about the Colts marching band, like you have no soul. Because, yeah, dude, when they're when they bring the Colts marching band to play at the State House and it's it's fucking snowing and there's no football team and they're just desperate to try to get a team back in Baltimore and this band won't stop playing because they think that they can make a difference, like. Bro, it, it. You know what? It, the, one of the newest ones that came out that's a contender for the top five for sure is Believeland. Oh, the Cleveland one, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially after they after they redid the ending, right? The Cavs one, right? Yeah, you're right. That was really good. Well, this one, there's every reason to think it's going to be just as good, if not better. And did, uh, did you see the other promo that came out this week for Thirty for Thirty? Oh, the Ric Flair. They yes. just released the first clip from Ric Flair. Yes, I am excited about that as well. I am Did very Nick excited. Did Boys get his old 30 for 30? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Limousine riding, jet flying, kiss. Same guy. Same, same guy. That's the one. That guy? Yeah, that's the one. Yes, we're all familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting a 30 for 30, and you can go watch the trailer right now. We will, uh, we'll, we'll dive into that as well. We'll dive into that 30 for 30 when uh, we get a little have bit closer. Have you watched Storytime on the WWE Network yet? I've, I've seen a few episodes, yes. I have not. Okay, so one of the one of the episodes is Ric Flair talking about how he basically had an orgy with, like it's it's he didn't say that, but it's basically implied that he had an orgy with the stewardesses on a private plane. Well, it's the most Ric Flair story. You well, know. well. Well, when are they going to have Holly Berry do a, a, a story time on the WWE Network? When are they going to have her talk about she the time? She's a WWE movie, so. That's true. Yes. That's a good point. But she can talk about the time she went to Space Mountain. Yes. <laughs> That's what she can talk about. And then we'll find out that they actually just went on Space wow. Mountain. That's all it was, right? Space Mountain, while being the oldest ride in the park, it always has the longest line. That is true. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about a couple other things real quick. Uh, you want to start? Yeah, let's start with NXT. Yeah, we're we're talking kind of the more WWE uh, NXT. We got a new number one contender. Yep, I suppose for uh, Takeover San Antonio for Royal Rumble weekend. Yes, yes, it is. That's and I think that's the perfect time to get the belt off Shinsuke and let Shinsuke ride on up to the main roster. Um, boy, I, that part's the part that I'm still. I, I don't know. I think you want Shinsuke at uh, Orlando, in Orlando. Yeah, I, 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 I really think you want. Him I there. I think so as well. Now, all that being said, this. No, I didn't mean like he would never be on NXT again. I just mean it would sort of like the, the Sami Zayn thing. Sami Zayn yeah, showed sort of up running at the Rumble. Running with both for a little while. Okay, that's all right. Um, look, I think Bobby Roode's the guy that we always. Th- this was the very logical next step. This was what we always assumed was that the moment that Bobby Roode's music hit 
we knew he was on the fast track to becoming the next NXT champion. And it, I guess technically not next because they they hot shot at it. Uh, we knew he bit. was going to be a champion sooner than later. Yes. And so this is extremely logical. This makes all the sense in the world. Bobby Roode can be the star of stars on NXT, which is which is a, like that's a bit of a, uh, a a surprise, right? From like when Bobby Roode arrived, did we know? He was definitely going to become... He, he, he was a guy that I think there were... Like, everyone loved him. Yeah. But there was a question, of, you know, especially at the time he came with Nakamura still there, Aries riding high. You know, would he be a guy who's used nicely or been pushed like this? There yeah, was I think you got to understand this. Every once in a while, something comes along that you can't stop. Well, yeah. Not, well, once he got the music, stop. we knew what yeah, was well, going as to soon happen. As the, yeah, exactly. That's we're talking about before the music. The first, I'm saying that from the moment he arrived, before the music hit, it would have been an upset for you to say, you know, is is Bobby Roode gonna become this guy? No, I don't think. I that, don't. I don't think it would have been an upset because, honestly, if we're talking about, remember that Triple H runs NXT. Right. He has more of. The look in the next T than Bobby Roode. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I just I don't I don't know that it was the slam dunk. In the the, the moment the music hit, we all said, oh, oh. You're you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, this is this is what's happening now. Um, because you, as AJ pointed out, you ain't stopping that. You ain't stopping the the adoring, uh, th- screaming thousands, uh, that are gonna push Bobby Roode. So. Um, this is very logical, and I think that the scenario where you have Bobby Roode wins, you can do that, then have a rematch at WrestleMania weekend, and yeah. now that means that you're having him beat Nakamura twice, um, and then have Nakamura move on, you know, from there. I think that's a very logical, logical thing for you to do. I think it would make all the sense in the world, and so I'm, I'm good with it. Um, yeah. you know, if, if you want to keep, I think the conversation has to continue then, okay, is it just do you go right back to Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe from there, or are you also kicking Samoa Joe up at the same time? And if you are, what's the rest of the top of your card right now at NXT moving forward after you get past Roode and Nakamura? Well, and, and that's what I was saying. The only reason that I thought that they might not do this at San Antonio, they might hold off to it because that would feel like big, fresh. And, you know, last, but then I thought, you know, last year they did the same thing. They had the rematch at WrestleMania, but they had something else there as the big attraction and Nakamura coming. Right. What could you do here? We didn't get to it last week. Rumors going around. Chris Hero maybe coming oh, back right. to the fold. Right, that's a good point. So that would be a logical, you know, he's he's the guy that kind of immediately gets put into that picture as soon as he arrives. You know, you would give him maybe Joe on WrestleMania weekend, mm-hmm. and then Chris Hero could move into that picture. But fuck Chris Hero because he's a Duke fan. That means he likes Grayson Allen, which means he can kiss my ass. So anybody that, that anybody that has any association with Grayson Allen can kiss my ass. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm good with it. All of it, I'm good with. This is logical. This was always going to happen, and uh, makes a lot of sense. So thumbs up all around. Aaron forced me to watch. Oh, I forced you. No, Come on. I, 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 I don't. I mean, I don't know if I would have watched it. I, I don't know, but I was at least interested. You know what I mean? Like it's true. Uh, total nonstop deletion. Deletion. Delete. 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 Uh, oh, holy fuck. <laughs> um, I don't. Have you ever seen a wind via volcanic eruption before? Not recently, no. And if I told you, oh, look, there's a volcano erupting in the middle of the match, and told you that was probably the least ridiculous thing about that yeah, match. you could argue that. You could certainly argue that was the least ridiculous thing about it. 
I really do wonder how much these things cost to produce. Like, I really do. At a time where TNA has no money, like, they have none, how much does it cost to set up two different rings, like, at the Hardy compound? How much does it cost? I guess you don't have to set up two different ones. I guess you could just I honestly it. didn't know that there was a fault line in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. So you had to do a good bit of work uh, to get that done. Look, there were some amazing – these – what the Hardys have done making wrestling motion pictures, I, I, I'm, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, and as I said before, it's something different that people different aren't doing right now. Different is good. I like different. Is it absurd? Yes. It's totally absurd. Is it maybe a little bit of a bad thing that they're having you watch for the purpose of the absurd? That, that can't be a great thing for a wrestling company. They've got to figure out a way to both concurrently have good, a good wrestling product and Go with the theater is, of the absurd. Is, is it bad that they just did this whole thing to the, the guy who got over most was Gregory Helms? Yeah, that's not. I mean, <laughs> it's not great that it's a, a guy that's how the hell old is Gregory Helms at this point? Old enough to make the Triple H joke that was maybe a little it, bit too real for was, comfort. It was real, wasn't it? It was. Well, I mean, I think. What was the joke? Oh, oh they, they, they literally they they buried uh they they literally they physically buried buried a ta- a young tag team and then Matt Hardy said the man with three H's would be proud of the way we buried this young promising talent and then they both look at the camera and wink like it's over the top it's way over the top that's awesome uh, um, it, it was tremendous and it was other, a tremendous moment but the problem I mean, is they were literally they put Matt Hardy and Gregory <laughs> Helms over these two great wrestlers okay but. I, they did it, I think, for the purpose oh, of yes. the wink for, wink. for the right. joke, yes. Right. Um, the, the boat attacking. <sighs> Skarsgård. Skarsgård attacking was amazing, and then having uh, the, the helms. Gregory Helms yeah. go into the lake of uh, reincarnation and come out as three count. It was, it was great. I mean, it was really great. Abyss literally killing people? Yeah, Abyss literally killing people. That was something. The whole thing was was something. The Rock and Roll Express. It didn't involve the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm really torn by this. I don't have a hot take about these things. Like, I, I think I can say I can enjoy it. It's entertaining. I can appreciate that. I, I don't. There's a lot of stuff. Like I said to you, so the the, the whole thing kicks off with them. King Max Seal getting his uh, King Maxwell getting his first match. Rockstar Spud, who has been working his ass off for the last few years in TNA, who's awesome, who's great loses to a one-year-old. Now, I get it. It's He gets tased. It's a, it's a whole thing. You know that it's absurd. But I don't know how that helps your wrestling company. I, I just don't know what what how that's good. In, if you don't want to be this full-time, I, like if you want to be this full-time, go, be that full-time. But if you want to go back next week and be a wrestling company again, if you want to be in an arena and have matches that aren't movies, I don't think this helps that and i get it it's tough because i i like this i'm not opposed to it it's it's totally fine it's getting ratings it's getting buzz right. it's, it's getting everything you want but and and maybe there's an argument that you should just go be that right like that you should just make wrestling movies once a week oh we all like jackass a lot right like there's a lot of shit that we've liked that that did really well you can make an argument for this could be a totally different direction and this could be what tna is now and it's different, it's avant-garde, and, and there's a group of wrestling fans that are probably into it. Like, you can make that argument. But how did this help you next week when you go back into the impact zone? Like, what what did you benefit from that? That's the only question I'd be asking right now, if I'm TNA, is, is what are you doing? How's it helping you? That's it. But, yes, I got quite a few chuckles out of it. 
I I enjoyed it. I think there's room to do different things in professional wrestling, and I'm not telling them they should stop. In fact, I would argue that this might be closer to what they should be. In you know, like hell, it's working for Lucha Underground, right? Like it sure is shit working for them. So I don't know. That's all. I don't know. All right, that it. That good. Yeah. All right, very good. Let's uh, let's get through the plugs. AJ, you are on Twitter. At the AJ Prentice four one zero. I mean, what, what what was that? I was pretending like my mic was going out. Oh, I was trying to figure out what I'm like. What is that an internet problem? At AJ Francis four one zero. And then tell somebody, every, tell everybody about the Francis Sports Academy. Yeah, Francis Sports Academy. We're doing basketball training. Um, you can find us on Francis underscore sports doc, uh, Francis underscore sports at on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, you can also go to FrancisSportsAcademy.com and check out the schedule. We got some more training sessions coming up um, in January. We're taking a break for the holiday season. Um, everybody should get out and just enjoy the holidays. Enjoy your time with your family. And, in, uh, you know, even though Aaron's on the show, you should enjoy driving out and, and <laughs> appreciate the fact that me and Glenn bring you so much quality ha-has and LMAOs. Right here. Right here. Wow. On the AJ and Glenn show, or the Glenn and AJ, whatever the hell it's called, I don't remember now. The Hillbilly Jim, as he said, right here on the Glenn and AJ show. I thought we agreed a couple of weeks ago that we're kicking Glenn out. What happened to that? <laughs> uh, then you got us, uh, first we were 400 level at the NXT, so you kind of lost some clout there. Well, I got us better seats. Mm. You did. You did. I, I got, got us better seats. Better be getting us that model service, dog. <laughs> better be getting us that. All right, uh, Aaron, you are on Twitter. At BAOster. And the show is on Twitter. At Jobbing Out Show. And then... Uh, Jobbing Out Show at gmail.com. Right, but what did I oh, say? No, actually, I have, a, I have a question for you guys because I meant to bring this up. So we were talking about the pay-per-views, obviously, all day. And um, I was very... We had 44 votes on this poll. I, I like yep. to put the polls. Yep. Um, and I was very surprised by what I saw. 48%... Uh, people that voted in this poll thought that the tag team title match on Roblox was the best match. I, now I saw that. I thought it was a great match, but my personal vote was the Iron Woman match. You could go either way. I, again, the ending of the, the tag ending match of it, yeah. was just so unique that it, it gives it an extra. You know, if you want to go on whatever star system or whatever, it gets an extra half star to three quarters of the star just because that finish was so unique and gave you such a pop from that. Well. I, yeah, I think that's I think that's the most memorable, like the thing that stands out the most is is how that ended. And so that I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that with Aaron. Is that I think that it's just. I think there was also especially because you, you did this right after the pay per view, right? Yeah. There there was some complaint about the story, you know, like Sasha tapping out with two seconds left, like that's right. not a face. Just held, you that's not have... a face thing to do. You can just you can't just hold on. You can't just make it for two more seconds. Yeah, I would agree. Bro, she bridged into the figure eight. Yo, I mean, I, I hear that you. That made it hurt so much more. It was two seconds. <laughs> you were two seconds away. Sasha just doesn't know about time. She tapped out with two seconds I left guess. in the NXT Iron Woman match I too. Um, I I apologize. I totally forgot to mention the most important thing that occurred in professional wrestling this week, which is. Bring it in, man. <laughs> and if you don't think the hug of Jericho is the greatest gift in the history of the holidays, you're a dick. It's the only thing I want this year is the hug of Jericho. Bring it in, man. Oh, that's so gold. Oh, I love them. 
All right, uh, Aaron, plug something. Uh, yeah, check out, I uh, interviewed Eddie Kingston last week for the Baltimore Sun, so go check that out. We talked a lot about uh, his transition to TNA, his, the idea, you know, a 15-year-old, 15-year-old long uh, indie veteran who's finally kind of getting his chance here, and he's part of that wave of, you know, indie guys who we never thought would ever get on TV, who now is. Um, so he talks about that, talks about his future in the indies, because it's not an exclusive contract to TNA. And a lot of other good stuff, so check that out. Very cool. Is that, that's Baltimore Sun. Baltimore Sun. Right. Um, I'm at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, glennclarkradio.com, and to uh, echo what AJ had to say, uh, we hope that you all have a uh, wonderful, wonderful holiday. Whatever it is that you're celebrating, um, we hope you have a Merry Christmas, a Christmas Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yes, all of it. And if you need to avoid uh, your family, our SoundCloud has every episode. That's right, you can go back and out. listen. Go to, back and to, listen to all the great interviews we've done over the years. No doubt. Speaking of which... We might have another big one coming up here in the next. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. I got to be honest. The whole setup, the premise is a little odd. Well, let's not say who it is. Well, no, not yet. I mean, it's if we want it, it's done. Like if we want it, we've got it. I mean, that's the reality. If we want this person on the show, we can have them on. It's just. <sighs> I already called about it. You guys, you guys are sons of bitches. You guys are sons of bitches trying to do this shit to me. I'm out here busting my ass to book a top-notch guest, and there's got to be a little bit of work that's got to be done, and the both of you are like, nah, I think I'm good. I Aaron, Aaron made up that he was Jewish. Oh, I made that up? Yeah, he just made it up. Yeah, clearly. He just decided all of a sudden this week that he was I was like, oh, dude, I'm Jewish. That's I right. I'm dropping got, the Jew card. I don't get to drop that card very often and have it be a good thing. So I need it to be a good all thing of a sudden, every now All of a sudden, I've known the guy for 100 years. He's never mentioned anything about being Jewish. And this week's the week that he decides that he's... he's 44 of those years walking through the desert. <laughs> All right, well, that, that, that could be coming next week. Uh, that's all we can say is it would be significant. That's all we can say. All right, so uh, thanks again, Charlie Ebersol, for joining us uh, for Aaron and, of course, for the main event. I'm Glenn Clark. This has been Jobbing Out. Don't forget, next week we're going to give away our slammies. What should we call them, guys? Jobbing Out Awards! <laughs>